for duty. And greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome back to Soul Citizens. I'm Griffin Gaming RPG, and we are back. Today is November the 11th, Sunday, first Sunday of November, and our continuing weekends of discussing CitizenCon 2953. Yes, it's been two weeks, but yes, we're still riding the wave, the crest of the wave, as we continue to discuss the uh, various sessions that took place at CitizenCon this year. And we have an illustrious panel once again with an even more illustrious guest joining us. And uh, we're going to start out with our guest first. And you guys know the familiar face and you know the name. And that is Star Jump Grim from Star Jump Station. How are you, Grim? Hey, everyone. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on tonight. You're, we're talking about my favorite subject, ships. Yes, I think you acted <laughs> like you were sick last week just so you could come on this week. I think that was a part of your master plan was to be on the ship show. He says, I don't want to talk about the engine. I want to talk about ships. So Grim is well, here this I, week. I uh, yeah, I appreciate all facets of it. Well, actually, all the panels are great, but these two, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty knowledgeable on. Yeah, I'm sure this is where your heart is. So uh, again, thanks for, for being here. And also... Um, Somebody said, I feel good. Somebody who's feeling good to what is y'all that quickly. Was that Go Mob? Oh, Go Mob. Go Mob just keeps giving and giving. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. All righty. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I do want to always say this too, Grim, and I know that you always do as well, but uh, the folks at Star Jump are just an awesome team of folks. Uh, even though Grim is the face that we usually see on our show, uh, they are made up of Star Jump Grim, Star Jump Lit Starlet, and Star Jump Ender. So shout outs to them. Uh, Grim is always the face that represents that team. And um, we know as always, they're gonna be working on something new for the Star Citizen community, which we'll let him talk about later on toward the end of the show. Uh, but for now, Grim, once again, thanks for being here. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Let me move over to your left, Grim, and let's introduce uh, Yo-Yo Meg. Meg, what's up? How are you? Hello, I'm doing super great. You know what? Go Mob. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what's your name? Fast cart? Yeah, okay. Let me ask you guys something. <laughs> let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you something. Have you noticed this thing that Meg has been coming out of that hoodie? Have you guys noticed that? She got the heat popping over there, I'm man. telling she you. She got it on you know what? nice and toasty. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I think, I think she is on a mission. This is going to be her statement to Cloud Imperium Games about that hair. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what this is really all about. She wants that hair, and she is showing it that the hair has got to come curly, right? Is that it, Meg? You said curly. Absolutely. All right. All right. So she's making a I mean, statement. You're still in Texas, right? They can call you up for, for, as a model, right? There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, hey, she's gonna she's gonna show the hair. So that I hear you, I love it. All right, well, well that's that's why I'm that's why I'm like you know modeling my beard. You I was, know what I'm saying? I even I, I, I was I was about to say we're gonna go from hair. I was about to say it. I was about to say we're gonna go from hair on the top to hair on the bottom. Go mob ATL is here. He, he's he's showing it off. He's show, and matter of fact, we need to make sure that we get that. You know what was cool, go mob? When they do, and we know it's not on this show. 
when they did that hair dye where they shifted the color, they need to do that with our mm -hmm. beards. We can shift that black and that gray in. You know what I mean? We can yeah. make them change that. They need to make sure that happens on facial hair too. So, hey, yeah. Salt and pepper all day, man. There you go. Hey, you doing, you doing okay, man? Hey, man. You set? All right. We good. All right, good. And last but not least, the one, the only, Bascart FC. What's up, buddy? Oh, see, you're you trying to throw me off, man. You're trying to throw me off. Let me, <laughs> let me fix that real quick before I say anything. Here, uh, 2,500. There it is. Okay, here we go. <laughs> what happened? Hi, I am Bascard FC. Welcome to Soul Citizens. And today is November 5th instead of November 11th. Did I say November 11th? Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, yeah, November 5th. And, you know, talking about gray hairs and everything like that. No, I'm going to know y'all. I'm going to know y'all because that's what then. Instead of having just for men to make it all one color, I'm going to invent just for old men make it all gray for everyone. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Just for old men. Oh, my God. The silver fox. There you go. The silver fox. There you go. There you go. Now that you all know who all of us are, uh, we are going to jump into it. Um, as we mentioned last week, we did um, the very the opening session of CitizenCon where they talked about Star Engine. And this week we're gonna pick up two very interesting topics. Uh, we're gonna be doing Fix It, Fly It, which was session two, and then session three, Talking Ships 2953. Uh, we will be stopping during the video from time to time if there's something that interests us. Feel free to put stuff in the chat. Don't forget to use the token at the bottom with the little eclipse. If you want to ask us a question or have a question addressed toward the end of the show, uh, but we will be stopping and talking about things. Let me do a quick roll call too. Go Mob and uh, Meg both attended CitizenCon for their first time this year. Fastcart and I were there for our third year. Grim watched remotely. So we are getting feedback from different perspectives, people who've been to CitizenCon, someone who has not been to CitizenCon and someone who's gone for the first time. So just kind of be aware of that. And there may be questions that come up just because of that. So that's going to be the name of that tune with that. Okay. All right, without further ado, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it here. I don't know if there's a long startup on this. Hopefully it's not, because this is the edited version. There Hello. we go. I'm Thorsten Leimann, uh, lead systems designer for the EUPU team, and uh, welcome to this little presentation of our most ambitious feature uh, that we are working on for quite a while already. We already talked about it several times, but this time it will be a little bit different. So before we start jumping into the presentation, here's a little disclaimer. Everything that you are about to see in this presentation was done by the EUPU team, so, well, mostly. We got help from the vehicle content team and the VGPU team. So what you will see here is mainly placeholder art that was either done by Guillermo, Bastien, or me, so members of our team, and it's gameplay that we focus on in this presentation. So what you will notice here is also that the UI is still work in progress, so uh, visual changes even throughout this uh, entire presentation. So we are still iterating. But let's start with the actual presentation. Those that follow us for quite some time probably know that about the resource network already, but let's do a brief recap. We will be talking here about 
our technology that is resource network and the engineering gameplay that can be called a child of the resource network. The engineering task will allow you to manage your ships, outposts and possibly other things. Thank you, Jade. Let's have Guillermo uh, talk about the technology first. Uh, so welcome on stage, uh, Guillermo. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Guillermo Bilbao, gameplay programmer for this team. And I'm going to talk about the resource network. So what is the resource network? Uh, the main drive for the resource network was replacing the previous pipe system you might have heard about. It's a new system that was uh, more generalized, easier to expand, and that would support all the gameplay we actually want to do. And yeah, so it is a network, as you can see on that picture, uh, showing the connections between different items, even those inside of your containers. And it enables specifically the relay gameplay we're gonna show right after. So, it ha will have a global impact. You're gonna see it in ships, you're gonna see it in outposts. It's built to work with the cargo system in some ways. And as for interacting with it, uh, the engineering gameplay we're gonna show today is gonna be the biggest example, but you will also see it in other places, especially in missions. And uh, let's have Thorsten talk about it a bit more. So hello again. So as a crew member of a ship or as a person managing an outpost, you have several responsibilities uh, where the engineering topic can be split in three activities and you can decide to share those responsibilities. Can I stop there for a second? Correct me if I'm wrong. He said manager of a ship or even an outpost. Is that what I heard? Yep. Yeah, I mean, the outposts are going to be completely controlled by this you know, this the same um, thing. resource network as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. I completely yeah, missed that the yeah. first time I watched this. Were you going to say go out? I imagine, yeah. I imagine outposts are just going to be sh big ships without engines. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know we've seen all the facilities and props that they've built and said they're going to interconnect all that, but I just never clicked about somebody being at the outpost having a role like that, you know? But there'll, there'll probably be a lot of crossover between the two, though. For example, though, just like power, like they both will probably have power plants, mm -hmm. you know, some type, shield generators. Yeah. Um, and Weapons, like all that, that stuff. So, yeah, everything. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, like, with all things CIG, if it's built systemically where everything affects everything, you know, in actuality, then it all should so are we looking still at, make sense. Are we looking at components being a factor in those locations? Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, where I think they'll differ is, is, is component, instead of ship component, they'll use, they'll use outpost component, probably, like a shield, like like that said. So we'll have components for vehicles, components, well, not components for vehicles, but components for vehicles and ships, and components for outposts, I imagine. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The real, the real question will be... <laughs> quantum driving your outpost <laughs> the real question will be if you have like a power plant or like a generator failure at your um your outpost can you like grab a component Drake. out of a ship to like <laughs> get something working temporarily we'll we'll see yeah, yeah. i doubt it but we'll see I doubt it. well i mean again you know there's the destruction of the the host versus a component right like like let's say for example your base is being attacked 
then it's your shield generator being attacked. Is it the fact that, like Fastcard said, are there components that, you know, we have to, that we have to worry about wear and maintenance on those too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, they haven't talked about it, but Fastcard, I could see that, what you're saying, that they're just like, we've got vehicle components. There will be something that goes into your building or whatever, you know, for power or whatever. Um, I mean, they, they could make it simple and make everything like, you know, like uh, a universal. That'll make everything simple, but I don't see them doing that. Right, exactly, exactly. Okay. Or take them all by yourself. It's really up to you. Every task requires their own skills and their own tool sets. There is tuning. Here you are responsible for preparing your ship. Your journey did not start yet, so you adjust your ship items based on your goals for the travels. Exchange sub-items, adjust the default settings of your power plant, basically operations that require you to turn off the items or even remove them from their sockets. The next activity is maintaining, and this is all about damage control and keeping the items in pristine or pristine enough state. You are the mechanic uh, that makes sure that everything is and stays operatable. Maybe even go further in the sense of caring for the items. And what caring means is here reducing the wear and tear rate by regularly removing dust or oiling the items, just as, as some quick examples. So let's actually show you some of the maintenance you can already do and will be able to do. So here we start with two gameplay mechanics that are already in the game. So technically nothing new, but the entire engineering loop ties them nicely together. Uh, Here you saw me collecting uh, IMC or still collecting. And uh, now I will take the shield generator of the recently destroyed Gladius uh, to use them as a spare part for myself. So all of this is of course optional. So you can purchase those items already and in the future even assemble them for yourself. So crafting. Um, Okay, Uh, another stop there. Go mob, he said the magic word, the C word, crafting. (laughs) Um, We've we've wondered ever since they brought in the multi-tool, you know, inside the vulture, that that was gonna be the tier zero example of it, but here they're even telling us being able to craft our own components. I know Fastcard, you talked about back with the Endeavor, that idea of tuning and upgrading, but the idea of actually crafting from raw material is something yeah. I wasn't expecting to hear. I, I, I mean, you know, not to be like not positive, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think that's great, right? Crafting is, uh, I believe crafting is gonna come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this, this is what, this is them looking ahead mm-hmm. at things that they would like to do but haven't started right you know on creating like we do currently have crafting in the game mm-hmm. right where you can use your vulture i believe in the um the reclaimer as well to right. craft a multi-tool and the um actual attachments as well right but <clears throat> as far as you know this other stuff we'll see if this if it's just a matter of you've got the resources you've looted or purchased the blueprints you click a button and things pop out we'll mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. yeah i just didn't expect to hear anything about crafting anytime yeah. soon you know what i mean i just yeah, I, mean, I just didn't one expect thing that it. 
mentioning too that they have not they've not they haven't talked about it anymore or actually for years but they keep dropping this word in here they keep saying subcomponents and it's something mm-hmm. we haven't heard much about in, in a long time you know just those you know the sub items that will be able to manipulate the actual component right but based off what they're talking about wear and tear and stuff seeing how the solar flares work in pyro and just regular usage and all that i think one stat we're currently missing on components but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over time will just be durability right so you may not always be going for the component that's the fastest qt drive you may want the one that's the most durable right Right, so i can see a new stat kind of coming into play for components yeah yeah durability endurance that that, that yeah. kind of stuff yeah well, well he yeah. talked about the person at the beginning the one who's prepping the ship for those you know those three levels of operation for the engineer and he 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 implied the fact that there will be certain components you will pick you know right tool for the right job kind of thing right some yeah. quantum drives for example get you there fast but they burn fuel like crazy uh other ones like you said are more durable other ones will right. They're not as fast, like, but you can go twice the distance. You know, your engineer's right, going to have to know like, the right thing to put in. I would personally love for the subcomponents to be where we can really gamify those components. So, for example, if if you're going into pyro, you may want to put a, a redundant subcomponent that adds redundancy to your power supply so that if you do get hit by a solar flare, it automatically reboots. Mm. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. instantly. Um, so you can see how like making those choices based off the system or gameplay you're involved in could be really fun. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I mean, I'm just a min-maxer, so I, I figure all that stuff when it's available, but yeah, I, I, some people like, like me who, who love min-maxing are just something to get their hand on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or maybe a subcomponent that like masks the location, the target location of the primary component on the ship. So it makes like makes it look like your power supply is like over here, where it's really over here. So yeah, when there's I mean, they try to target, they're like, oh, they're shooting the wrong place. Mm-hmm. The, the, the possibilities are endless. Sure. Yeah. While the fury approaches, uh, you might get the glimpse of a debug UI. So the, there's the fury now coming. This was cool. Uh, I activated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debug UI to show you the health state of each item and uh, what you should have seen is that the shield generator is fully destroyed and the power plant that I'm about to take out now is uh, in low health. Low health means you can still repair it, so which you will will be happening now with uh, Guillermo and Pete uh, repairing the power plant after I removed it from the Fury. So it's making it fully functional again. Being and citizen. You see the debug UI, the health is now fully up again. And that means that- Now this was something I didn't expect. Um, I knew that you'd be able to repair a component. What I did not expect, and they show this later when they do the scenario with the hammerhead. There were two people working on that thing to expedite making it happen faster. Um, when they're in that battle sequence with the hammerhead, a second person comes along and takes out their multi-tool and starts repairing it too. So I think that mm-hmm. is actually kind of like an all-hands-on-deck kind of thing that could happen. Uh, if you're back there by yourself versus if somebody else is back there helping you, it could help expedite doing repairs. It runs yeah. at uh, full, uh, yeah, full efficiency again. And here you also see that the shield generator is at zero health. So the destroyed shield generator cannot be repaired because it's destroyed. So I have to exchange it with the spare one that I collected from the Gladius. They got a space litter. Let's just send it out the back. 
So with all those repairs being done, uh, the Fury is operatable again, and it can go its way. It would be cool if you can recycle that stuff. Like if you took it to a reclamation and get something for it, you know what I mean? So it's not like completely worthless. Yeah. Oh, you can just sell it for some, for some minor credits. Or scrap, that's that what I mean. Too. I mean, just, but I'm saying we got to get to a reclamation place, you know. So getting back to the right. responsibilities. Uh, a big one is managing your ship, which includes resources, but also more general aspects. Uh, you have to manage the power distribution and come up with informed decisions, like reacting to hazards like malfunctions, fire, low energy, but also calling out items that need repair and maintenance. You will delegate the rest of your crew to keep your ships intact, like giving clear priorities of what needs to be done first. Let's take a look at another video here. So this is the first glimpse of the engineering UI in action. It is still being worked on, so it's heavy work in progress. Uh, let's start with looking at the item view. So you can see the full setup of the network with the relays, the green dots connecting to each other and the relays connecting to the items. Color and shape uh, below the icons should help you identify the different item types like power plants, weapons, also helping differentiate between consumer, producer and converters. You can tell the current state of the item, that means the amount of energy it produces, consumes or has stowed the health state it is in, the current wear and tear on the item, and the current state it runs in, like charging or being in an idle state. You can directly interact with these items, turn them on and off, and in the future even switch their states. If you hover over a relay, that I will be hopefully doing soon, <laughs> you will also see that the amount of fuses that are still active and uh, yeah because a relay consists of several fuses basically uh, they're their own uh, set of lives and here you see all the, the details like you can click on the items to see a, a 3d render of the the power plant here uh, the control drive sorry and here's the the relay overlay Uh, here Pete shoots a relay to show the UI updates on the screen. So once this relay got shot at, you will see the update here on the UI that suddenly the entire right-hand side of your ship lost uh, power connection. And what you might have not picked up on the screen is that actually the power plant here that I'm now focusing on is on low health. So I'm commanding Simon to repair the power plant to get it fully operational again. So something to highlight here, take a closer look at the doors. Since we also track the door states, you see that uh, you can watch movement inside your ships now nicely. So you can track players moving around in your ship and even close doors for them or like compartments in this case where Simon just forgot to close the compartment. I want to know what happened when you use the repair beam on a person. Pete destroyed the relay, but we need the ship in fully functional state. So, um, yeah, I'm running now with a fuse and place it on the in the relay, so make the relay work again. 
Um, what you can also do with the doors is that you can create safe pathways because you sitting at this engineering screen have more information in regards to your ship than the others. So you open doors to create a path that the players on your ship has to have to take. Um, so now to the one point, um, I don't know if I, I thought this when watching a lot of the the panels at CitizenCon, whether it was like the first-person shooter stuff, bounty hunting, whatever they were talking about, they would always reference the maps and this and that. And then obviously we had the new star map reveal and stuff, and then obviously the engineering gameplay. It just it just really struck home that all like a ton of gameplay loops are going to be tied to the map now where right now it's just our star maps from traveling to a to b now a ton of stuff is going to be tied into this map system so i hope they're taking the appropriate amount of time with it i hope they're going to test it you know test it in a really robust way both internally and externally because with all these gameplay systems tied to it it's going to be even more critical than it was before you know Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see that you can track people moving in your ship. Yes. So that, that makes the, the new trespass system yeah. in your ship make a little bit more sense, yes. right? Especially if you're yeah. able to see, like, if, if there's a, a difference between people that are in your party versus, mm -hmm. you know, who that. Right, uh, you know, right um, on your ship, yeah. You could just look at that screen because that was been, that's been my biggest challenge with the new trespass system. Is that mm -hmm. it like kind of like we it gives the, the advantage of the stowaway? Mm -hmm. um, but if you have this system to be able to, to kind of look, and that's that's because like the MSR has all those tunnels and stuff below. Like, mm -hmm. are you telling me that every time I get on the MSR, I gotta walk through all of those <laughs> and make sure somebody's not hiding in a hidey hole? Right. Like right. that. I if you want me to I never fly to MSR again, that's the how. That's how. Do it. <laughs> I assume you'll be able to have like lockdown control on those doors too. Like I would imagine, oh yeah, close them and then turn off power to them to where someone couldn't move past them without cutting through or something or hacking so, it or whatever. Yeah, yeah hold them up. Yeah, you can so contain them. ultimately, the engineer, like the chief engineer on a ship, honestly, probably needs to be your most trusted crew member. Oh yeah, <laughs> if they yeah. have that much control over your components, your doors. All, and I'm sure atmospherics, like, you know, yeah. pressurization, oxygen, gravity, they're probably going to have control <clears throat> over all that. So that's going to be your most trusted crew member. And knowledgeable, wanna, right? They've got to know the ship. I want to be an engineer for one reason, mm -hmm. one reason and one reason only. Because I want to be able to say, I... <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me ask Meg a question. Uh, Grim, you don't know this about Meg, but Meg's model early on the show was that she is not into big ships. She loves small ships. <laughs> So in some ways, Meg, I'm kind of curious though, you know, I know you do, you know, you've got moderate size ships, but you know, Grim, in case you know, don't notice about Grim, Grim's favorite ship is the Kraken. And I'm sure both yeah. of you are looking at this and saying, what is it going to take for me now to crew my ship? Right. I mean, cause you know, we can look at what those minimum numbers are that CIG puts on the website, but again, and I'm going to ask Meg that, and then I'll ask you Grim too, the same thing. Cause you're talking about scale. Meg, are you seeing yourself like with medium-sized ships or is this one of the things that why you would stay away from big ships or does it interest you now, this level of detail? Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost even making me question medium-sized ships, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, Y'all can hear me, right? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I was thinking, I think it was yesterday, two days ago, I was just thinking about, like, realistically what it looks like to play this game in the future. Because mm -hmm. um, even, like, now, uh, it can be hard sometimes, like, if you're, if you're thinking, like, larger, larger ships, um, what that looks like with people who are adults with jobs, kids, <clears throat> you know, lives, mm -hmm. things like that, that can get in the way of, uh, like, actually crewing a, a large ship. Mm -hmm. Um and so even being able to find a handful of people to crew something medium sized is like like it's almost impossible to or it's it's probably going to become like near impossible to solo these larger ships that we've been soloing um now so yeah like the MSR is almost too much for me now like mm. just looking at things like this um yeah it definitely makes me question things and makes me look at my fleet more realistically mm -hmm. um just based on like and like with that being said, makes me look at orgs more. Um, and I can't think of the worst these. Uh, like I, I want to make sure that the orgs that I'm I'm with, the mm -hmm. people that I play with, are you know may maybe going to be here when the game fully launches. Understand. Yeah. Um, just so I know, like I have a group of people that I can uh, I can play with either within their ships or in, in my own. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this this whole presentation and. Looking at how more complex things are going to become, you can't just like hop in a ship and fly around. Like you can just be flying around, nobody shooting at you or anything, and something like a component can just go down. And you have to go fix Meg, that. Meg, you yeah. always have so citizen. What are you talking about? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, but I mean that's that's like still like but it's still like 10 yeah plus like you know like we can't fully crew a <laughs> insert big ship. <laughs> No, it, it is something. No, it is something to think about. And you've heard us say this on the show before when people dismiss starter ships, and we tell people, "Don't get rid of your starter ships." You know, there are going to be yeah. some purposes for having those small ships, and there and there are purposes for big ships too. It's just that you do have to rethink the ships. It's yeah. not that you have to get rid of them, but we tell people all the time, "Don't think about the game that it is now, but the game it mm -hmm. will be later." Grim, what about you? Because something like the Kraken, like I, I think the Kraken's an amazing ship. I would never want it. It's a monster yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So what do you see when you look at this engineering stuff? I mean, do you get excited about it? Does it make you rethink well, it? What, what's your feeling about I it? Think, I think for me, it comes back to how I look at ships. So some people, a lot of people, I think, look at ships uh, at like in, in terms of scale, right? So mm -hmm. they say, oh, and, and, and sometimes I think it's even presented in, in the worst way when people say, oh, this ship is bigger, so it's better. I actually don't look at it in terms of scale at all. I look at it as in terms of experience, mm -hmm. right? So... To me, and, and I agree with you, you, you should never sell your starter ships because the way I look at ships are the way I look at activities in a game like World of Warcraft, right? Your starter ships, your, your single player or even two player ships, those are your daily content. You're out there by yourself, you're questing, you're doing stuff, you're earning money, you're doing all, you're doing not actually 80% of probably what you would do in a World of Warcraft game. Right. Where your medium ships are, are, you know, or medium to large ships are like your five man dungeons, right? You got a small group of friends together, but it's different content. It's a different experience. And then the capitals, you know, the capitals are the raids. Those are the 25 person raids, the 40 person raids. You're going to, and, and John Cruz said this a uh, past Invictus, you're going to probably work for two, three weeks preparing for a weekend where you take the Kraken out, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we've seen it a little bit in the persistent hangar stuff that they've shown and a little bit with this tuning, um, uh, a role for the engineers where they say you, you do that work before you leave. Right. I could see 
a big org prepping for like if they know they're going to go get into combat with their idris they may spend an entire week or two weeks with the idris and a, per, a persistent hangar doing nothing but loading cargo loading medical um putting backup uh, components on there and all that so that's your raid experience right so like when i look at the crack and i don't look at it as like daily gameplay at all it's like once a month sort of thing but when that once a month comes around and it goes well, you walk away from it going, that was the greatest gaming experience I ever had. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not, but it's a, but it, in terms of actual percentage of your gameplay, it's probably going to be pretty small. Okay. Clown and Lefty, yeah. thank you guys. Hang on a second. Thanks guys. I appreciate that. We had a little low volume and they were asking me to get us yeah. back up to a normal space. Go ahead, press card. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm a bit nervous, especially when it comes to my BMM and my ende endeavor, two endeavors. So this one makes me like, uh, maybe I can knock it down to one endeavor. But yep. you know, I'm still hoping that that I'll be able to daisy chain my endeavor somehow. And and I've been offering you two fifty. Two fifty. I've been offering you two fifty for that brand new merchantman because I knew this was coming and you won't take it. I don't know. Only why have you one. Only have one. I don't know so why no. you won't take it. I don't know why you won't take <laughs> you, it. You'd be you, you better yeah. off buying my endeavor off of me. And, but you know, this gameplay endeavor masterclass right now. <laughs> 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 the, 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 this gameplay that they're showing on, on screen, maybe you say like, oh, this will be a, 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 fun, a fun way to implement Among Us on um, in, in Star Citizen because someone can, can damage components and try to knock people out and, and other people can try to find out who is it. It's like mystery theater in, in, in the game almost. Mm. Well, I, I, I know um, Gomab, by the way, just to retort to my good friend, Mr. Gomab over here, who says, I'm complaining about a Kraken, says the guy with an 890, okay? He's trying to be funny. All right, first of all, <laughs> a 890 will have premium parts that will never wear, okay? So I don't have right. to worry about these issues. And it's fireproof. I just want you to know that, okay? Uh, but no, I think um, it does make me think about it, Gomab, to be honest with you, that, you know, again, minimum numbers and how many people really need to be on certain ships, depending on where you're yeah. going, uh, whether area is dangerous or very is friendly. Um, I think it's gonna make a lot of people reassess what's gonna be needed to run their ship. And I think the engineering role, like you said, Grim, is gonna be vital and your engineer well, is gonna be worth their money. They're gonna be worth their money if they know how well, to handle their ship. Two things that will solve this problem. Like, cause it, you, this conversation comes up a lot where people are like, well, how, who's gonna actually wanna be like an engineer on a ship? Me? And you have the person that says, never me, you know, I will never do it. And then the other people say, that's all I wanna do, right? Mm -hmm. But there's two things I think would really alleviate this is, uh, you know, a, a topic of, of controversy, so to speak. So one, it's up to CIG to make those roles on the ship fun to do, mm -hmm. right? And I'm already getting a lot of hope in that because it seems like the engineering loop is pretty in-depth, yeah. right? So they're putting a ton of gameplay in that. Yeah. And you see how much power you have. So even even your crewmates who, who like a lot of control, mm -hmm. they're not going to want to be the pilots of the ship now because that doesn't matter. <laughs> the engineers get all the power, right? Um, the other thing they have to do and is they need to be able to build an, a party org or, or mission ui system that allows us to accept missions and parse out uh percentage like profit percentages to players manually and or automatically like where the game divvies it up mm -hmm. we to to in order to encourage us to do this multi-crew gameplay yeah. right now they're they're putting the the stuff in there for us to do it but you're you still have to ask why am i doing it right so we need those tools that allow us to to, t to accept a mission, let's say an org level mission, right? Mm -hmm. It's to fight 
a fleet of ships, mm -hmm. a fleet of enemy ships. We need to be able to accept that mission. And then it has, just like a raid would have in an RPG, there need to be 25 signup spots or however many you want. Mm -hmm. And your org mates or whatever can assign themselves to it. And then profit is already like percentage out mm -hmm. the more people that join. When, when that type of stuff comes online, for one, I think you'll see capital ship sales <laughs> continue to, to, to go strong because people see the value, but then also, uh, people will, will understand, will, will be a little bit more comforted in the fact that they, the, when they buy a big ship, um, there'll be a, you know, incentive for someone to come on board and be the, the turret operator or the mm -hmm. engineer or the, you know, whoever, whatever yeah. the other roles are, scanner, navigator, you know, whatever. So good point. Okay. Pilot. So here we go. View. That is mainly the life support controls plus controlling all doors. Uh, again, we show the details of each room, like the temperature, pressure, atmosphere composition. So everything that is relevant for like you living on a ship. We also show the door states where you can now have precise control over each door in your ship, as you see here. Uh, this will also allow you to have a more control over which door or compartments to open. So here the, again showing the opening the power plant that also helps very much in in already telling players hey you should repair this item so i open that door for mm. you and they nice. directly know which item you mean um, it also allows us to control like the outside facing doors much better so you can directly open if you just want to open the left side ramp or the front side facing ramp or the back facing ramp that does help tremendously. I know we've talked about the uh, engineer person having to know the layout of a ship and knowing it well, you know, knowing where shield generator two is or where this is. Mm -hmm. But if you've got somebody who has this layout, who's working in the con and they open that particular hatch, it does help that person who's maybe in engineering who will know whether it's this, you know, like on the Carrick, there's like all these panels when you go through it, right? Which one is the right one? You have to look at it and read it. But if your engineer opens that up ahead of time, when you get there and you see it open, you know, that's the one to go to, which I think is kind of mm -hmm. cool. It cuts the learning curve down a little bit for players in the game. Yeah. That is so nice. Yeah, it's really cool. They just didn't show any actual people on the ship. I would love to see how those are represented. Yeah. Is this a C2 that they're in? This is a C2, right? Looks like, yeah. 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 I don't see bombs. Yeah, because well, we did it last year already, but uh, let's make our crew suffocate again. So the moment that you basically pull off their helmets, and now me pressing the cycle button, you see that the entire atmosphere in this room is vented. And yeah, well, uh, the con consequence is uh, <laughs> death. So as you can tell, engineering gameplay will bring a lot of changes. Uh, some of those changes are adding batteries to ships that will allow you to get a little bit of extra power for a short amount of time. 
allowing you to control items directly where it's not only their on-off state but also their resource consumption. And where the biggest change that will come in this update is, to the resource, is basically to the resource consumption and generation. So let's talk about energy balance. Currently ships are balanced such that they consume less energy than they produce. What I mean with that is that the sum of all items or, uh, requires less energy than the power plant will provide. And uh, this has to change. The energy rebalance that I will explain to you now will affect mainly bigger ships. Single-seaters will, will still behave like they do now. For big ships, we will focus on item groups. Those require energy, but your ships will not provide enough energy to have all components run at 100% all the time. Instead, you have to decide what you want to have permanently powered by your power plant. So managing decisions will have an impact now. You could decide, as in this example, to shut down your thrusters to turn on the weapons. Isn't the best choice, since you will not be able to maneuver, so might not help when you are attacked. You would be able to shoot, though. And here comes in the batteries. In scenarios where you need to react, you can activate the batteries and use the additional power. Batteries won't last forever, but you at least can power additional systems. You will be able to recharge the batteries again, but you need to free up energy from the power plant to direct into the batteries. I think that was a little bit more than just a recap, but uh, now Guillermo will talk about malfunctions. So I will talk about malfunctions real quick and get you guys to the next video since we're a bit behind schedule. Uh, what are malfunctions? If you've seen misfires in the persistent universe for seals, for thrusters, you've seen a very basic version of it. We're making them more complex, we're making them more lethal in some ways and more fun to interact with. Uh, also, uh, some of the new malfunctions will include fire, spreading misfires that represent electrical surges going through the ship, or uh, signature bursts, which increases your signature and makes you show up on enemy sensors uh, more easily. As for how you will counter them, uh, you've, saw, you've seen suffocating people with life support, you will also be able to suffocate uh, the fire with life support, which is probably more useful. Uh, you will be repairing them, not necessarily only with a repair beam, but also replacing parts or some uh, bespoke uh, behavior per misfire. And if all else fails, just turn it off and on. And here's a video of the fire in action. Uh, you've seen in other videos the fire. This is a small fire, you can just put it out with a fire extinguisher. Pretty simple, it just works. Uh, here's a bit of a bigger uh, fire. It might be that you cannot only put it out on your own. So here we have one crew member that's gonna try to put it out with a fire extinguisher uh, to mix results. We didn't start the fire. And here we have the option of using the life support system to also set up uh, uh, before and yes, bend in the area. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Thank you, Jake, for the jump, man. <laughs> <laughs>
And now you can see that the fire, once we get to that compartment, has been successfully put out. How much do you think the damage bill is going to be for that to repair okay, it? So let's get Harrison back on stage. Uh, you, see, you saw uh, a lot of the systems in action, but let's get a video of one of our PlayStations. Which is gonna if you have LTI, it'll be, it'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be flying around with a burnt-up ship for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to excuse myself already because I, I was leading this group of players being attacked by, by the Gladius, and I did a poor job, but more to that uh, in, in that video. Um, yeah, yeah, we wanted to talk about. So for this demo, we have modified the damage system slightly to uh, represent impact penetration, a very basic level. So you are gonna see that the, quant uh, the quantum drive is gonna be hit by the Gladius attacking the ship. So, <clears throat> yeah, being attacked by a Gladius for an A2 isn't like a big challenge, but in this setup, we were not like fully staffed. That means we had our engineers running around and. Uh, yeah, no one being seated in the in the in the turrets. Uh, so, yeah, our our goal was basically to flee the Gladius, and uh, yeah, with the Gladius actually shooting the, the quantum drive and damaging it, I thought, hey, it's a good idea to to tell uh, Pete and Simon to to repair the quantum drive as a priority. As you can see, uh, I somehow missed that uh, the habitation room caught fire. Um, hmm. I tried to. Yeah, well, um, prevent further damage to it, but uh, yeah, I, I, I failed. Um, yeah, so uh, that, that was causing a bit to the panic, so I even got distracted in this moment. So uh, we, we managed to have the quantum drive survive, but here I notice, oh, actually the, the power plant also starts to take damage and at this moment, I'm also telling uh, Pete and, and Simon to, to switch their attention to the power plant because if we use, lose the power plant, it's also like almost impossible to flee. So here I, I realize, oh my God, we are going down fast. And I think at this point now, yeah. I opened the uh, compartment to make it access faster, but that was already too late. So the power plant died. And yeah, so uh, the backup is to activate the batteries, which I did here, so the, yeah. Um, Simon and Pete still tried their very best to, to fix it, but um, yeah, didn't manage to. Um, yeah, uh, the attack moved to the forward side, uh, targeting the, the, the batteries because the player who was attacking us actually knew the ship layout. And uh, yeah, here I, I noticed that the second power plant has also got attacked, so have to redirect the, our our mechanics to it and so let me ask you guys a question what do you think about this when it comes to this is a hammerhead uh, or a large ship um you know right now attacks on ships are pretty much just based upon hull damage and eventually destroying a ship but what happens when you get people who actually know the layout of a ship and you've got one fighter targeting your starboard quantum drive and or and then someone else who's targeting your power plant what happens for that for the crew on the ship you think <laughs> Got to put all the guys somehow. Good organization, yeah. I can be a... Right. Sorry, I was going to say, I think it, this would be a perfect opportunity for some organization within the uh, the ship. Like, you could have backup quantum drives, um, just things like that, in case it actually mm. goes down. Mm. People can only do so much 
to keep something up, but once it's damaged, you got to have that plan B, yeah. C, D, and E. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I think that things. like the 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 small ships harassing the big ships could be a problem, especially if they just keep creating internal engineering problems for mm -hmm. you and you can never get on your way. Mm -hmm. However, the flip side to that is if you have a really good engineering crew, I could see them continuing continuing to bail water out of the ship <laughs> even when you're under heavy mm -hmm. combat. And if they're efficient and good enough, while they may be busy the entire time, they may make your ship unkillable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what especially by smaller ships, uh, they, they may just be able to constantly keep it alive. balance the damage you're taking mm -hmm. to where you're, you, you actually have a, a really long time to kill ratio where the, where the smaller ship just sort of gives up or runs out of ammo or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's, I think the balance that's going to be there is sort of how good your engineering crew is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's only so much you can do against a size nine torpedo, so well, it, it, it depends on the, situ on the situation. That's, yeah, that that's a different yeah. scenario altogether. I think <laughs> we're talking about just when people yeah. are being strategic, because even a size nine. I mean, we you know we don't even know what a size nine will do once armor and shielding and ships or components are set up. But I am looking at the. I think Grim's hitting on what's the balance between a good crew. Right. And a good group of people yeah. who are attacking you. And if both of them are equal, you may find that this is where you start getting into, like you said, 20, 30 minute holdouts. Right. It's, it doesn't end in five or 10 minutes, but it may go 30 minutes and 40 minutes. Uh, we did that when we went out to help the thing with Ops Chief. We were out there for 40 minutes going back and forth with the folks, you know, over one single ship. Yeah. You know, we're going to say, go, Mob, you're going to say something. No, I, I just, uh, you know, you touched on a little bit, but I think, you know, I, I think they really need to make sure that they, at some point in time, focus on the balance mm -hmm. of this, right? Um, what I what I don't want to see happen is that, hey, when I pull up to, if I pull up to a ship in my fighter, I just scroll through the list of subcomponents to find the one that's going to shut this ship mm -hmm. ship down mm -hmm. and is most vulnerable, and that's that and that's my it. my my that that's my target right. that I'm shooting mm -hmm. at all the time. So it becomes like I target the ship, I scroll through the subcomponents, and I and I target the coolers, right. or I target the quantum drive to keep you from running away, or I target the power plant, and that's just my target. Mm -hmm. um, there should be a level of skill uh, that that comes into play even if it's part of the skill system that once you get to a certain level of skill that you unlock the ability to to target that but just i don't think it should be uh, you know it, i they just need to make sure they balance this properly right um otherwise it'll just be kind of <sighs> no you're right no you're absolutely right yeah. i think i yeah. think that things like shields are a factor armor is a factor right, yeah then components right you've got to so, peel your way layer through layer to get to any of these and it should there's yeah. and there's i could see other things coming into play too so for example if i was on a kraken let's say i'm the captain and and i have my my crew on there and we're all going out and then i'm i have someone overseeing radar and scanning and they tell me hey i see a you know an eclipse who's mm -hmm. just sort of entered our AO, mm -hmm. the first thing I would do as the captain or engineer is order, I hate, it's kind of cliche to say, but I'd say <laughs> like all power to the shields, you know what I mean? No, I, and then, so that shield kind captain? Of, 
Yeah, that gives you your buffer, right? And gives mm -hmm. you a minute to think. It gives, gives you a minute to assess, is the eclipse a threat? Mm -hmm. Should we try to contact it? Is it a friendly? Whatever. But the very first thing I do is throw my shields on high and I put all the power into them. Mm -hmm. And if the eclipse makes an attack, at least I'm already prepared. So some of those other things like scanning and, and all that are, will come into play in terms of how you approach engineering from a... Um, a preventative standpoint, right? So not just repairing, but preparing to go into to combat or any other role you might do. So for example, if you're going to go do some mining in your prospector, you might shift more power preemptively to shields and your and your mining laser and all that because you need your mining laser, but you also if you a rock explodes, you want your shields mm -hmm. up already. So you're going to probably dial it in based off what you're doing before you get in the thick of it. I do wonder, I, I mentioned this before but, about insurance, but I do wonder when we get more details about, about insurance gameplay, like a different tiers, uh, concerning components or insurance components, etc. I don't, I don't, I mean, we're getting, I don't know, in my opinion, we're getting to the point where, where, where I would like to have more details about insurance, but that's for a, a, a different topic, I guess. Yeah. I mean, insurance can be a factor. I know they've talked about it in the past, but I think that the reality is, is that there has, part of the economy is loss. You know what I mean? Um, the fact right. that you do have to buy more stuff. Um, like, like, like Meg was saying, it's not a matter of just stocking my ship up with what I need now, but maybe I've got to buy an extra set of things and have them down in my, you know, my cargo area so that if cargo. something fails or gets blown up, you know, maybe we didn't get to repair it. Uh, if it hits zero, it's no yeah. good. And I'm stranded in space. So my economy is not just to stock my ship up now, but to make sure that I've got the extra parts that are needed. Um, insurance could be a factor in there, but insurance won't help you when you're in space. You know what I mean? It, that's that's mm -hmm. something you claim later on. Uh, there's going to be just a lot of preparation, you know, for whatever it is you're doing. And your engineer is going to have to be that person. I mean, don't get me wrong. The owner and captain could be that person too. But I think if you've got somebody like Meg was saying earlier, if there's somebody who flies with her all the time, and this is the person that she knows when this person is my engineer, they're going to make sure everything I need is on my ship that I need to go out there. Right. Cause I'm worrying about the mission and getting crew, but my engineer knows that I'm flying my Mercury star runner and I need this size, this, 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 and this, and that stuff's already stored up on the ships. And when we're ready to go, you know, they say, Meg, we're ready. I got everything on the ship. It's ready to go. I mean, I think that roles are going to build out like that so that you're not just this one person trying to handle every aspect of logistics on a larger ship. You know, it's enough to do it on your one ship, but yeah. even a kind of working your way up, you're going to need help, you know, to think about stuff yeah. like that. I just had a funny image in my head. I'm on Meg's ship. I don't know the ship. I'm, I'm looking up YouTube on how to keep it repaired. I think some people are going to be doing that, doing that for, for real when the game is out. Meg, tell Fastcart that job is called You're the Cook. That's what that's called, okay? You're the cook. That's the, that's the role you get on the ship. You're the cook. At this point, we wanted to flee, and then I realized why, does, why doesn't the quantum drive work? And uh, as you saw, that there is a relay that also got destroyed. So uh, here you see it very clearly that yeah, with a relay being destroyed at the, at the quantum drive position, that means that the quantum drive cannot be accessed from the, from the pilot seat. That means that, uh, yeah, I, I also had to get that repaired. So it was uh, a bit chaotic. Um, everything was also happening a bit too fast. Here, trying to save the second power plant because we are we're already running out of battery life. Uh, so yeah, if we would have lost 
the the second power plant that would have been our certain death. And I think at the yeah, in the next part of the video, um, yeah, we yeah, basically asked someone to to fix the the relay at the back so that we still be able to jump away. One thing I can see too yeah, so is you remember managed to to save one. You remember Chris Roberts talked about was last year about skill trees possibly coming mm -hmm. uh, to Star Citizen. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see. Um, you know, the more stuff you repair on a ship, you get small speed increases to mm. how fast it takes you to repair components. Mm. So, um, yeah, again, someone who does a lot of engineering, a lot of repair work, I mm. could see them being the people you want to do your repair work because they'll have a small buff to their, their repair speed. Mm. Um, they haven't obviously said anything. I'm speculating with that, but I could see that being a factor. I could see something go up. Let me ask your thoughts on this. You and I both know that on these ships, there's a physics dynamic called if they turn the ship too fast, you fall on the ground. Um, what yep. happens when you're in the back trying to <laughs> fix that quantum drive and your pilot is doing evasive maneuvers? Um, I, you think they're gonna have to adjust that? It should be, it, it, it's, for the larger ships, it should have less of an impact More because they okay. have less, less agility and less ability to, to make so there's Those a workaround for it. Okay. Yeah. But um, one thing I was just typing, you know, uh, to, you know, to, to pop stuff, right. You know, like that we should have, uh, um, you know, people should know stuff, but you know, I, I wonder if CIG, I mean, this may be something I'm just thinking about. Maybe, maybe they have instanced, like kind of like how you could get into the seat and go to AC. Maybe they have instant scenarios on each ship where you can either go through and do training mm. on those ships for engineering. So you get into a, a, a scenario, hey, we're under attack by the Vandal, whoever, and you're on a Carrick that is taking damage and you're the engineer, you you know, certain things are popping up and they need to be repaired. You run around and if you score a certain amount, you get your certification on that ship. Mm. And that way that's on your thing where people know you're certified on Carrick, mm. Hammerhead, 890 Jump, Odyssey, so on and so forth. Kind of like the little Kobayashi right. Maru thing. They could do it in the uh, hollow thing. You could get your practice. Yeah, just do it in the hollow thing, right? You can do it. You can get a certain score, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or you can start with a training mission where it's kind of like, you know, it's it, it, they, they kind of walk you through like, hey, here's how you get around the ship. Here's where the different components are at. Uh, here's how you repair. Here's how you replace, so on and so forth. Yep. Yep. Yes, Griffin, yeah, you, you beat me to it because I was going to say if it, if it's a Drake ship or a certain size of Drake ship, it'd be like those Star Trek episodes we see everyone jerk or, or, or lean to one side at the same time yeah, whenever they get hit. So <laughs> that, that, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah. Okay. I guess it's going to be based on the size of the ship, right? You know, yeah. um, you know, and, and how much how much inertia they can yeah. impact, right? Because the 890 jump ain't throwing nobody to their ass because yeah. it, it can't, you know, or cracking is not going right. to be... Well, it depends on what hit the 890. We're talking about the pilot maneuvering. Right, maneuvering. We're, we're talking right. specifically mm -hmm. about the, the oh. pilot maneuvering yeah. and doing evasive maneuvers. Yeah. So the size of the ship is going to matter because they're not, they're, they're, there's only going to be so many maneuvers that the pilot can do. And he's right, because in a cutlass, if you're in the back and somebody does a hard turn you feel it but in a, in a larger ship you really don't feel it as much so you're right you're right right all pawns the other thing too is that he did say they were under crewed on this there was nobody in the turrets they didn't have enough people on to do it so 
Yeah, he had to choose what to go for it. Uh, I think it was Pete running there and fixing the fuse. And the next step was uh, the pilot trying to push uh, the yeah the the quantum drive, but it was too late. Uh -oh. uh, we died, and <laughs> the end of the show. Yep, soft death kicked in. Yeah, thanks. So. What you just saw gives a good idea of, idea of how busy ships will be and how, what meaningful uh, multi-crew gameplay will look like. But what about the future? Since we worked on technology that will be used throughout the entire game, you will see more and more coming utilizing this tech. It will introduce system, systemic gameplay uh, with allowing players to come up with creative ways of uh, manipulating their environments sabotaging a power plant or destroying a vital relay that connects it all to shut down an entire enemy base that can include its life support or security systems. It would also tie in nicely with Maelstrom that you just saw. Uh, and anything that will break off will lose its connection, the network to the network and therefore have an impact on its functionality. So it's a real systemic feature. The technology allows us also to take further steps into the crafting profession, as well as in the base building, where both are related to each other. Bases built by player will also form resource networks and come with their unique challenges similar to ships. We are already, we are all really excited about the future of this tech and all the associated features. So there's a huge thanks for, for all people involved, so thanks to the entire EUPU team, the vehicle teams, Jared, Active Feature team, and the Arena Commander team. They all were super supportive to get this uh, behemoth into a state that you could see here. And it's something that has been a long time coming, and we are really proud of it. So thank you for sticking with us on this journey. Wait, there's one more thing. Wah, wah, so wah. we really want to get your hands, uh, we really want you to get your hands on this because we already had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I hope all of you have heard of the experimental mode in the Arena Commander. So we want to bring you what you saw here as an experimental mode before we put everything into the PU. And uh, this will be soon. <laughs> so, yeah. thank you. Here we go. Okay. Not bad, not bad. Um, FC, you say we got a question in the QA on this particular one. So, yeah, we can take it now. If we've got a one there, we'll take a look at it. All right, so we got one from Pops in Space. Uh, we've already taken account the person operating the ship, but what's your opinion on the suitability of, the, of an engineer for a small, medium, and large ship? Should we require exam, courses, credential of any kind? Imagine be able to operate an in-game educational system. You know, I don't know if, what well, I know in the lore, to answer this question, Pops, um, for the sake, I would say the Sega Genesis, oh my God, the Crusader Genesis, <laughs> um, there is lore that says that in order to fly in UEE space that you have to be certified. And so my understanding is, 
in the in the design document they talked about the fact that being able to do um uee flights like from the different spaceports that there will be some type of training we don't know what that is and i think jade mentioned it earlier the sim pod is a place where people can get checked right that's an option we don't know if cig is going to do that what your requirement will be for someone um i think grim mentioned it gomab has mentioned it before there could be things that incrementally as we do them based on reputation it could be review cig talked about like a uber type of thing where when someone is hired, you rate them based on something and it's averaged over time. We really don't have anything yet built into the game that we know of, even though this topic has come up in many, many different conversations. Um, or whether you'll just evaluate people based upon your own personal knowledge. If Grim and I are in the same org and we've gone out and done stuff and Grim might be that guy who says, Griff, if you want engineering, I'm your guy. That may be all I need to know that this guy knows his stuff when it comes to ships, but if there's anything official, uh, I don't know. Anybody got any I thoughts a, on that? But I have a I have a good idea for how they can make it to where we can um, assess people and stuff in a mm -hmm. very real way. Mm -hmm. As someone who played Arma Three for like eight years mm -hmm. and ran a, a, a military simulation unit. Training was like the thing we did 80% of the time, literally training, right? To work as a unit and move together and, and communicate. What they need to be able to do is the main engineer, like, so your chief engineer, let's say you're all in a persistent hangar. Your ship is just parked there, right? Mm -hmm. You should be able to take all the engineers, the mechanics, the tuners on the ship, and the chief engineer should be able to go to the engineering console, turn, put it into a diagnostic mode where he can then, or he or she can then simulate all kinds of scenarios so they can bring mm. a uh, a power plant down to 30 percent power mm. so then people can train to run to it find it repair it he can simulate a fire in a certain area right so it doesn't actually burn but maybe there's like holographic hot spots or something that appear as a texture that they have to put out some sort of diagnostic mode because for example you know um you know, U.S. Navy members on submarines train incessantly uh, for fires aboard submarines, right? Mm -hmm. It's like what they do in their spare time. So being able to run those training scenarios on the actual ship using the actual tools, I think, would be key. And, and again, they could easily do that by just having some sort of diagnostic mode um, or training mode on those consoles that when you go into it allows the the chief engineer to manipulate those numbers you know yeah. they're not real numbers they're they're fake numbers just for the sake of training right well, real quick Wave. yeah go ahead um i don't think there should be a gate right mm -hmm. so as a captain or owner of a ship I should be able to hire whoever the hell I want. Right. You know, if Yo-Yo Mag says, I want to try out engineering mm -hmm. and she's never done engineering and she's never gotten a certification or training on the ship, mm -hmm. it should not preclude me from saying, you are the ship's engineer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You should be able, she should be able to do it. And right. if we go out and get blowed up, we're talking about, you know, um, having a, uh, a way for, you know, mercenary ship captains, right. That is looking to build out a crew to be able to say, to be able to tell the difference between, you know, 
you know, random dude A and random dude two, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's that's applying to be a, uh, an engineer. You should be able to say, <laughs> hey, this guy is 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 certified on this ship, um, has gone through, has has flown multiple missions on this ship and has received a 4.7 rating from previous captains they've worked with. So just to give you that information so that you can make a, an informed decision, right? But it should not be, I do not support there being any kinds of gates no, or, or mm-hmm. requirements for that. I just, I, you know, it's when we're talking about org tools and, <laughs> and, and, and tools to be able to hire people, having that additional bit of information being baked into the systems in the game, I think will be beneficial. Yeah. That's, and you do, I, I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad I'm fast code because I never had to worry about this stuff. I just can say, hey, you're fast code. I want to come in your ship and they'll just let me on. Yeah, Cook, you're right. No, I agree. And I think I think that we're just looking for, is there a way, like you said, Go Mob, will there be a way for people to assess people to determine their skill level? But I don't think it should, like I said, I think you should be able to hire, like you said, whoever you want whether it's because they want to try it or because they're qualified to do it. I do want some type of barometer. And let me give you another aspect of the barometer. We look at what is the role of the captain, right? And so one of the things when I'm done with the mission is that to me, it should be also my responsibility to be able to rate everyone who was on a mission with me. So that I basically can give you that stamp of approval that says, hey, go mob. He was really good doing the FPS. He did this or Meg was great in the hospital. You know, there's some type of feedback that happens that helps her reputation in the game. And if I don't do it, I don't do it. And maybe Meg says, well, Griff, did you do my my report? And, well, you know, I didn't have time. But she'll be like, you know what? Screw this guy. I'm not working with him anymore. I need my reputation. You know, I'm, I'm saying they could come up with tools to help us. But like you said, they shouldn't be things that prevent you from doing anything in the game. If you want to take that risk and take on the, it's not even a risk because training a noob you know what I mean? Could be just because someone has the energy and desire to do it. They've never done it before, but they want to learn how. You should be able to let them come in, you know. But I don't know what we can use to gauge. Maybe it's going to be an org tool more than anything else. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. We'll have to figure out what they want to do. We'll see what CIG there you go. Is, is just worthy. There you go. Almost have. Who knows? There you go. I'm sure they'll have something. They'll have something. One thing I, one thing I will say, them talking about the experimental mode on Arena Commander and, and mm-hmm. this possibly coming to players soon and I, th- I think i saw somewhere in chat someone talking about when will we ever see this mm-hmm. i can one thing i can tell you for sure we're going to get the star map before we get this again when you look at all this it's all tied into that new map system and they're not going to debut that the star map just in terms of engineering i think it'll be like a full-on implementation because again it's it's the same map for everything so mm-hmm. um you know, whenever they tell us we're going to get that map, and I do think it'll be next year sometime, that may be a good indication of when. So I think we'll get the map first and just as a map, but probably soon after that, we'll see some of these things like engineering or the, the personal map radar system, whatever, come right in because, again, they all rely on that. It's a dependency. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, we're going to jump into the second video now. This is Talking Ship 2953. So here we go. Hi everyone. Have we all have we had a good morning looking at cool stuff? Great. 
Uh, that's funny, Bia. I'm the vehicle You're right. here at Cloud Imperium Games. And uh, my name is Ben Curtis. I am the vehicle art director at CIG. So we're going to spend the next 40, 45 minutes talking ship. Uh, we're going to show you some cool stuff that you've hopefully seen, some cool stuff that you're not supposed to have seen, but you probably already have, and some cool stuff, again, you're not supposed to have seen, but what you've seen is wrong. So hopefully we can uh, <laughs> clear that up for you all. Right, so that was the A1 Spirit trailer. Pretty cool video. Um, but we're now going to do a bit of a slightly deeper dive into the actual art and visuals of the ship. Part of the ship, this area is kind of like really dominated by those 10 sci fi bombs. And then we go straight into engineering where you find the rest of the ship components that it needs. Up front, we've got a completely fully featured habitation area, suit lockers, weapon lockers, pod beds, everything you're going to need. And then Right at the cockpit, we have a two-pilot cockpit, and I think the Crusader engineers have done a fantastic job of putting everything that the pilot needs right at their fingertips. So, you know, in the heat of battle, you kind of might just eke out that advantage. Exterior-wise, it's classic Crusader. We've got our recessed weapons. We've got our... We need those recessed weapons in Origin ships. Thank you. And then underneath is all business. We've got the missile racks and we've That's got gorgeous. the big bomb base mm -hmm. and i think overall yo know, crusader have done it again they've done a you know amazing job of packaging something that's like super feature rich and something stylish sleek looks fast but still super aggressive and then here is one last look oh why not Okay, that was one last look of the interior. Griffin, you just got to twist from Origin uh, to Crusader. That's the answer. I'm sure we can show you that again later. Um, if you like what you saw there, that is available now on that link and the QR code there that hopefully takes you to the right place. Um, so that is available in Alpha 321, which went live Thursday. I've honestly lost track of time the last few days. Uh, so yeah, that's the current. Let's talk about something a bit further in the past. So, we have a timeline here from the uh, today, all the way through to today in in game. And throughout that time period, we have our manufacturers in law, starting with RSI in the very near future, uh, going all the way through. Uh, to Mirai, which is this year in game. Thank you, Harlequin. And over that. Thank you so much for the bits. We have some very old ships, people ships that people think are quite old. Uh, we have the Hornet, we have the Aurora, and we have the Gladius. Thank you, Toastmaster, for the follow. Toastmaster. There is quite a gap from the current day to these old ships. Uh, so let's talk about one that is a bit older than that. So. The RSI Zeus. So, in 2130, 
I'll go on. In 2130, uh, RSI made some major kind of advancements in quantum technology. They developed, or they released, the first ship that was kind of available to the mass market that had quantum capability. This kind of mid-range explorer uh, really put RSI at the kind of forefront of ship development. Now, it was a really good thing, you know, it really kind of boosted them as a company, but that doesn't, it wasn't kind of all good. The original RSI Zeus had some major issues with its whole integrity. That being said, there's always kind of been this uh, demand for RSI to release the Zeus. It's kind of had this cult following that's grown up over the years. I'm kind of very happy to announce today that RSI have kind of taken that challenge on board. Um, they've developed a whole new vehicle that is designed to ferry a whole new generation of travelers across our universe. Visually, it's something that pays homage back to the original Zeus and something that's really uh, is, is justified to have that, that name. And I'm even happier to say it exceeds all current safety standards and all our current ship production techniques. So, do you want to have a look at the all new <laughs> RSI Zeus Mark II? Nice. Ah. Okay then. Here it is. So, uh, we are gonna hand over to Elwyn and Mark to go through this, and you can see there's three of them there. So we're gonna do a bit of a deeper dive onto these three ships now. I was surprised. I didn't expect three. I knew oh, one was coming. Go, go. Hi there, everyone. My name is Mark Gibson. I'm the lead vehicle content designer at Cloud Imperium Games. <laughs> and I'm Owen Bachelor. I mean, three is typical for them whenever they do this thing. What do you guys think? I don't remember the last time they did two. Awesome. All right, well, let's take some time now and take a look at this classic RSI design and see how we've reimagined it. So, when we decided we wanted to tackle the Zeus, we had to consider what direction RSI would take it in if they were going to do it today. We couldn't just remake the original Zeus because although it was obviously a massive piece of history, all it was really used for was transporting and moving around. So we had to consider exactly what we wanted to do with the ship. In the end, we decided to go for three variants, allowing you to pick which way you want to actually play the game. So what we're going to do is talk about those variants that we decided on in the end and go into a bit more detail with them. First of all, we have the ES. The ES is the essential. It's the long-range exploration version of the Zeus. It's designed to let you go out for a long time and explore the universe. Next up, we have the Mark. The Mark is the bounty hunter version. This is there for you so you can actually go out, find your targets, and bring them back. It's also been purposely outfitted so that you have all the tools that you need to disable, capture, and bring them home. Finally, the last version we're going to talk about is the CL, the Clipper might be a name people are familiar with if they know much about Maritime. This is the cargo version of the Zeus Mark II. This is designed so that you can move your goods around the universe. Of the three variants, the Zeus Essential is the one that harkens back the most to the original design. 
with the original white on black paint job and the vertical stabilizers. We also worked to maintain the silhouette of the original, but brought that forward to modern day RSI design with tons of technical detail and layered panels. And on the underside, the landing gear and the underslung turret, as well as the entrax, ent entrance ladder, fold in perfectly flush, leaving behind a super smooth underbelly, just like the original design. But you probably all want to see what the inside looks like. So let's have a closer look. Despite the sleek and slim body of the Zeus, we've been able to pack a lot into it to give everything you need when you're doing the deep space exploration. You have a fairly comfortable habitation recreation area so that when you're out away from home, it's not too unpleasant. In addition to that, the rear room has a 32 SU cargo capacity, as well as being able to fit a cyclone. So if you do decide to land our planet, you can have a look around. Talking about the loadout, it's a ship designed for three crew. It comes with four size two shield generators, two size two power plants, two size two coolers, and two size four pilot controlled weapons. And obviously the lower turret that Elva mentioned earlier is a size three remote turret. Now the Zeus Mark was always designed from the beginning to be a sleek and aggressive bounty hunter. As such, the black paint will help you stay hidden in the shadows until you're ready to strike. We've also redesigned the spine in order to embed an EMP and a quantum dampener, which allows us on the art side to really crank up the level of detail on the exterior. We've also added a second remote turret on the top. Looking at the interior of the mark, you see that the habitation's taken a little bit of a hit. It moved forward, but what we've been able to add in exchange for that is a massive armory lets you take all the different weapons and equipment you might need while you're tracking your target along with this. Looking into the rear, we actually have a dedicated area just for the actual um, bounty hunter pods, similar to what you'll see in the Cutlass Blue. So you can stack up the pods and take multiple people back with you. It has less SU than the ES, it only has 16 SU, and it does have a different loadout with the components, only having three size two shield generators. Like Ellen said, it does have a top-mounted forward-facing turret so that you can put the pressure on the target as you're chasing them. The EMP and QD drive are designed to stop the target escaping once you've caught up with them. Now, because the Zeus Clipper focuses on hauling cargo, we've decided to lean into the industrial aesthetic. We've covered the exterior with a warning strip paint job, uh, and we've covered the exterior with more technical detail and armor plating. In addition to that, it comes with a remote tractor beam, which is mounted on the rear to the side of the ramp to make it easier to haul cargo in and out of the cargo hold. We've also added thrust capacity to the base of the wings. As you can see, there is an absolutely massive rear to it compared to the others. The habitation areas have been massively pushed so that you don't get much space, but we can get way more cargo in. It actually has four times the cargo capacity of the S coming in at 128 SUs of cargo. This one also features three size two shield generators. And like I mentioned, it has a size three tractor beam to make it much easier to get those cargo containers in and out as you're actually playing. What do you think? <laughs> so last year we introduced the spirit. And if anyone that may be playing on their live, live the last couple of days 
might have seen the new ship adding to the verse, the A1. Obviously here we're seeing the, route with the Zeus rumored we fourth today, variant. And then in about a year's time, hopefully it'll be ready to reveal to the public to actually play with. But this isn't just a concept. We're not just going to show you some images. The Zeus is actually an active white, white box development right now. Do you just want to have a look? Yeah! Shall we? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. As you guys have seen with the Spirit and with the many ships we've released thus far, our ships can, when they're finished, look absolutely gorgeous. But before any of them get to that point, they have to grow through a very specific development process. And this is the first stage in that process. We call this white box. At this point, we've taken the concept, ripped it to shreds, and then reassembled it and plugged it all back together within the editor so that we can get a real good look at what players are going to see when they finally get this game. At this stage, with the Zeus, we've already ripped out all the thrusters, we've ripped out the landing gear, the turret, the seats, the beds, all of the interior spaces, plugged those guys back in, and we have what you see here. So again, the beginning of the process. At this point, we're able to jump in, start throwing in cargo, interacting with doors, getting in and out of beds, maybe in and out of toilets, and just getting an overall sense of what it feels like to interact with the vehicle. And it is very common that in this stage, we will make some adjustments from the original plan. As an example, on this ship, we've just made the decision to expand the center corridor, add a little bit more space to the rooms. And as a result, that's gonna make it much smoother experience for players to traverse the, inter the interior of the ship as well as for AI to traverse the interior of the ship. We've also expanded the main airlock that leads to the enter-exit ladder. And up here in the cockpit, we've separated the co-pilot seats a tad bit just to allow players to get in and out a little easier. So with White Box, not the prettiest stage in the process, but it is essential that we nail this because it means we'll be able to deliver a beautiful ship that is also extremely fun to play. Quick feedback from you guys on this one. You mentioned this and CIG never really mentioned this in the early days, but they talked about making sure that AI could get around in the ships. Um, what are you guys thoughts about that? Um, <laughs> you know, what do you, what is your envisioning I mean, of AI? They're always, oh, go ahead, Graham. Yeah, I was just say it all comes back to that pathing and we haven't really seen that other than, um, you know, in sort of squadron 42 related vertical slice uh, uh -huh. videos you know where you see ai navigating interiors of ships so um yeah i'd love for them to talk more about that they reference that constantly almost with every new ship concept that come out they, they are referencing it so it's obviously something they're keeping in mind but also probably from their work on squadron 42 they they probably have a good understanding of what that metric is meaning like they know how wide the hallways need to be in order for AI to navigate them. Mm. So especially if they're making adjustments, uh, you know, for ships based off that. So. Yeah. Do I hear yeah, MSR rework confirmed? Because I can't see uh, <laughs> the AI uh, navigating that stupid elevator get from the cargo <laughs> deck 
into the rest no, of I the mean, damn they, they can go up the, they can go up and down the 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 ladder but if the elevator if the elevator is up I, they may be screwed i don't know what um, ladder there's, no the ladder. there's a jump there's a jump it's really more of a jump than a ladder it's not a ladder no, okay. it's just a jump, it's a jump. Yeah. okay <laughs> but um i was gonna say uh, the C1 may replace my MSR, but it's not likely. I have to wait until it's actually in game. But you talk from to more more the uh, question though. Yeah, the 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 hallways and that little cutout thing look kind of narrow. But I mean, it's it's a it's a max three three through ship, so it may not matter. But you know, it depends. Well, I mean, this isn't the first time. Remember, part of the rework for the Retaliator, one of the things they mentioned was that they had to widen yeah. the halls for the Retaliator for AI NPCs to be able to move through the ship. So I'm just really mm -hmm. curious as to, you know, what is that gonna look like later on, you know? Um, Cause they didn't yeah, talk about also... that in the early days. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think Grim, I think you were saying something. We we're talking about Oh yeah, AI just, just reiterating the fact that the AI is probably, no, knowing CIG and how in depth they want the AI to be, um, I, you know, we're gonna also see AI getting into the beds you know the the sleeping quarters mm. when they are when they run too long you yeah. know what i mean and that will be their way of recharging them whatever meter um we're yet to see how that will interplay with like getting food from the kitchen and stuff but yep. again we we've seen it in squadron 42 vertical slices it just depends on how much of that is brought over into the pu meg, in terms of like ai behavior meg you got to keep food in your kitchen you heard grim you got to keep the cabinets <laughs> full otherwise gonna be be mad you know it's a good point though it is a good point but you know what it, it's it's it, again knowing the depth that cig goes on some of their systems and again mm -hmm. sometimes i think they go too deep on some of their systems but knowing how they go i could totally see them um doing something where if you don't have drinks and and food on the ship then the crews like, you know <laughs> the moral you know <laughs> Yeah, the, the the positive nature of the crew starts to sour, and maybe they do a, a you know a, a, a kind of a poor job. And who knows? We'll see where CIG goes with it. But hire a crew that is like double dogs, or we ain't working. It. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, maybe not. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how much they they bring over. But I I feel like sometimes CIG, when especially on the AI front, whenever they talk about AI, they're really proud of the AI work they've done. Yeah. Even though we haven't been able to see a lot when they talk about it, they're like really excited about the AI. So I personally see them bringing over a lot of that stuff. Cool. One thing, one thing about the um, the the clipper on the, the Jews is that they have that, that side docking collar on, on, on the left on the port side. I was wondering if that is that that'll be a secondary exit that's really lacking on, on the MSR. Yeah. Well, there'll, there'll be actually three exits. Uh, so they did say there's going to be an elevator that takes you straight up to the, uh, mm -hmm. have area. Uh, there's going to be the, the rear entrance, right? The, into the cargo or the, the, you know, where you can bring a vehicle in and that's going to be a, um, it's going to be a, a airlock to get out of it. So yeah, a lot of the problems of the, of the MS, they, they solved a lot of the problems that the MSR has on this ship, like including not having a dumbass elevator. Yeah. in order to just get into the ship one other cool thing that i discovered when i was like exploring the model for the zeus um is that on a lot of the promo images on both the port and starboard side there's this like kind of black 
like rectangular shaped um, area. It kind of looks like a panel, but it's actually windows into the interior. One of them goes, one of them for sure goes into like the galley area. So this nice. They, yeah, they don't really show that very well, but they are windows, so you'll actually be able to see out mm -hmm. of the ship, which is kind of nice. You you know, we see that less and less now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ships like the Spirit, you know, out, other than the cockpit window, there's no way to view out. So um, the Zeus, though, does have a couple windows. Cool. And yeah. isn't the E1 supposed to have windows? Oh, yeah, the E1's got a glass top to it. Yes, okay. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't want to break you guys' hearts, and I know Fastcart was talking about his MSR. But I think, you know, you guys have got to start looking at which ships are for. The MSR is a data runner. It does do other stuff, but its main focus is supposed to be about data running. So if, if you're doing it as your cargo ship, not you, I'm speaking in general, because people okay, use okay. the MSR for their cargo ship. And I'm telling you, it's going to be better ships for cargo than the MSR. Now, if you're doing data running and cargo, that's cool. You know, mm. but you're only using 50% of what that ship is about because we don't have data running in the game. So for those of right. you who love your MSR, I get it, but just understand 50% of that ship yeah. is data running. There's a lot of people who are considering melting or getting rid of their MSR right mm -hmm. now. It's very important. To, I, and, and for those people, I would say, wait until it's actually in game, okay? <laughs> don't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. here we go. So that was the RSI Zeus in the three variants. Obviously, as the screen says behind me, it's available now on the Star Citizen website. You all follow that URL or the QR code behind me. Now, we've just talked about the ship with the longest legacy in the universe. It, it was the first ship for quantum travel. Let's change pace a little bit and talk about a much newer ship. We're going to talk about the cutter. Good little ship. So, obviously, last year, IE, we unveiled the cutter, and you guys seem to love it. Some interesting information about it. It was actually the single most popular straight-to-flight ready ship we've ever released. You guys really, really liked it. In addition to that, it's actually the best-selling Drake ship to date. But what people didn't know, and we kept a very good guarded secret that no one managed to figure out. No one. So it was always meant to be a family of three. Now, what everyone is already familiar with. I gotta say something. You know, Fast Card jokes around because I love the 600i and calls it the flying bedpan, but this is the flying trash can, okay? I'm sorry. I can't get it to the cutter. I cannot get it to the cutter. I think it's a great starter ship. It honestly is. It has all the features in it, but I just cannot embrace this ship for some reason, so... That's the I was shocked that it's right the now. fastest selling or best-selling flight-ready ship. Isn't that crazy? I know, I know. Hellcraft, thank you for that follow. Glad to have you. Thank you for the follow. Is we're going to talk about the next variant in the family. The Scout. All right, let's just take a minute and sort of enjoy the incredible work that the R team has done pushing <laughs> this guy out. It's okay for you to like the cutter, don't worry. I mean, they have to use it, it's just not for me, right? Yeah, it's a great ship. It really is a good ship. 
It's a great story. When the original Scout was, I mean, when the original Cutter was released, it helped us to refine the Drake aesthetic. And now with the variants, we'll be able to add a unique identity to each version. On the Scout, we've decided to replace the main thrusters with a dual thruster system. And you'll see here, we've also added a radar dish to the top, which relates directly to the scanning gameplay that comes with this ship. I don't know, KVN, maybe. In addition maybe. to that, we have a series of exterior bottom modifications to just push that flavor a little bit further. And you'll see here- Cutter steel, I like the that. And the scout, so you can clearly see the differences. I like that they made the effort to change some yes. of the exterior yes. details. It looks like good. Instead of it just having one piece that's mm -hmm. different. On the interior, we've expanded the rear section of the ship in order to include a dedicated standing scanning station, which will show up here in a second. Along with that, we've also increased the space in the rear to house the larger components that are necessary to support that gameplay. Now, expanding the rear did encroach into the habitation, but we were able to rearrange the components in that room so that nothing was lost in the transition. Nice. And on the cockpit, it's the same cockpit that you all know and love from the original cutter. From this view, you'll more clearly see the shift that we had to make in the rear in order to support the- I love that cutaway like that from the top versus the side. Yeah. It's nice. <clears throat> We're really proud of what the team has done with this ship, and we hope you like the Scout as much as we do. Evidently, they do. So, obviously, we've just introduced the Scout. What are the main differences between the bits? It is a variant after all. So the first big difference is the radar. It has a size two radar, and to accommodate to supply that, it comes with a size two power plant and a size two size two cooler. Getting tripped on long words. As well as the dedicated scan terminal that Ella mentioned earlier. Obviously, as you saw, habitation got a little bit cozier, and unfortunately, it has lost two SU compared to the base. So it only has two SU cargo capacity instead of the three. Now, what we also want to do is talk a little bit more about the future of scanning, if people are interested in hearing about that. So what is the future of scanning? We'll touch on it lightly. At the moment, there are two main ways for you to interact with the scanning gameplay loops. The first one's obviously the scan, and the second one's the ping system. Both of these are going to be merged into a single system known as a scan wave. When you send a scan wave out, if you get any successful pings, what will happen is it will immediately populate your HUD with an AR marker, giving you information about what you've been able to scan, as well as starting to give you far more interesting information than you get now, rather than just the name of the ship. The underlying system will work on the signature system, similar to what it does today, and there are two main scans. There is the quick scan. The quick scan is just a low version of it. It has a very small impact on your own signal output. So if you want to stay a little bit more covert and potentially not be seen, looking at something you shouldn't, 
you can use that one instead. The main benefits are small increase in your actual passive detection range, as well as being able to detect things that maybe are a little fainter than you should be able to see. This has a decent amount of cutting through interference, but not phenomenal. The other version is the charge scan. The charge scan is the big scan. Now, this will actually allow you to detect things up to quantum boost range, which is way, way further than the current passive detection range. And not only that, but it'll actually drop a marker allowing you to jump straight to that location for whatever it is that you found. That's cool. Very cool, yeah. <laughs> I definitely missed that. Now, you, you don't want to be jumping in blind. And as I said, it's going to give you way more information than it did before. Some examples, but not limited to this, are things like whatever it is, is it charging a quantum drive? Is it firing? Is the shields generating? Does it have any shields? Is it perhaps charging an EMP? Maybe it's got a snare up trying to catch you. It gives you that additional information so you can make the decision whether you actually want to get to that location. That's just a brief glimpse into the future of scanning and what our vision is for it. Right now, the Cutter Scout is actually in 321. It's available. If you go to that address or go to our website, QR code, it's actually in the universe right now. You don't need to wait for a patch for that. I've been Mark. And I'm Owen. And before we step off, if you haven't had a chance to get one of these hats, this one in particular is signed by seven members of the ship development team. And if you want it, when, during the meet and greet, if you can tell me the name of the seven people who signed this, all of who are in attendance here, by the way, today, the first person to give me those names gets to keep it. Other than that, I wonder who got thanks, it. guys, and have a great sitcom. Well, hit for you. John Crew is one of those names. <laughs> well, fantastic, guys, everyone. We're going to hand you back to John and Ben. They've got a few more surprises for you. Right. I got to talk with Mark Gibson for 20 so, minutes at the table. He's Mark a really cool guy. Oh, nice. Scanning stuff oh, that's cool. coming in the future. Um, we didn't show a lot of it. Uh, because it does sort of turn up in some other teams' panels, and we didn't want to steal their glory a day early. So I highly recommend sticking around for both the UI one and the flight one tomorrow. So we've talked about the past. We've talked about the present. Let's talk about the future. So here is a big block of squares that represents our backlog. So each one of these squares is a ship or a vehicle. Uh, all the light blue ones are all the ones we have released to date. All those gray ones are the ones that we have not done yet. The dark blue ones are the ones that will be in your hands by the end of the year. Oh, is it, Chris? You, yep, I already did. We were thinking the same thing. Right. He said, we'll be in your hands by the end of the year. Yes. Right? Yes. To me, that implies flyable not right. you show me some pretty pictures right. and we're working on it right right yeah absolutely and 12 ships in your hands now he's gone back and retracted that on twitter saying oh those are of the whole year of yeah. the, all of 2023 and i think he's applying released as in 
hey guys, this is something we're working on. We'll we'll let you know when we're finished with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe by next year, hopefully. Let me, but let me give you a different but, clarity. Let me give you a different clarity because we, we had a big conversation about this Thursday and because you sparked it in my head and I went back and looked at it. There were two qualifiers here. First qualifier was that the conversation was about backlog ships, not about anything new. That was the first conversation. They have produced 12 backlog ships for this year, as well as a couple of ships that were not backlogged. And we did a count the other day and found out in 2023, there are actually 17 ships released. That that is the qualifier. That is, yes, that is the qualifier. Because if you look on the chart there, that 12 that he talks about says in the bottom, and I know it's kind of small for you guys to read it, but it says for 2023. Yes. I, like you, thought, you know, they were pushing out, like, remember, I think on the show last week, I said, this doesn't sound right. They've never pushed out that many ships in the final quarter of a year. And it, and then when you said it the other day, I was like, mm, let me go back and look. But somebody raised it the other day and said, Griff, they're talking about backlog. And when we did the count on the ships that they produced, that there are 12 that were backlogged, but there are new ships that were also included that were not a part of the backlog. So that's the weird weave to this whole thing. And it wasn't communicated well. There's 12 flyable. There have been 17 ships we went through, that, we went through, that were we went not through flyable on January 1, we, but are now flyable. They will be by the end of the year. They will be by the end of the year. And, and, right. and I'm not saying flyable. Let me rephrase that. The 12 are the ships that were backlogged. There are other ships that they've introduced. For example, the F8 came out, right? That was, I don't know if that was a backlog or not, but mm-hmm. the- um, Yeah, it was. Okay, that it was, was a, yeah. that was a backlog. We did yeah, the list the other day. Who does it? We, yeah, we did, we, we really went through the count and there were 12 that were a part of the backlog. Yeah, the SRV will fall in that category. There's there's quite a few, yeah. Yeah. I put the um the the, the, the tweet in um in chat, but he, he counted the Scorpius and Terra, the Storm, the Fury MXL, Three MX and and I like that's three. The Zeus is three, and the Cutter Scout. So that's what he's counting. Zeus is new. And, um, Zeus is new. <laughs> Zeus is not a backlog. The Zeus spirit is, one. The spirit. This, is, the spirit. That's, what, that, that's what he counted though. So who did? But yeah. Don As a part yeah. of the twelve. Interesting. Because that's uh, not what we let, 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 let me get the content. So I, I read it out. So I've gone back and watched the Citizen Guard recording, but seen quite a few people quoting twelve ships by the end of the year based on the big, big backlog of the square diagram. There isn't twelve more ships coming by the end of the year. It would ship be introduced this year since January. And then someone replied, How many ships introduced this year? From what I can remember it the Storm, Juice Three X, Cutter Scout, Mirage Two X. And so that means that five till the end of the year, did I miss them? Jim John Cruz said, uh, Scorpius and Terry Storm, Fury, MX, I like that's three, the three Fury, the Zeus, the three act, and the Cutter Scout. Okay, I don't know hmm. about the Zeus's and the Cutters, because those aren't backlog that, ships. That's what he said. Well, here's the other thing, too. I, I know that's what he said, but hmm. we counted up some other mm-hmm. ships the other day that added to 12, and those were not on the list. That's what I'm trying to figure out what the other ones are. You got Hull C, you got SRV. Yeah, thank you. That's what we're talking about. Go ahead and name them, Go Mob. Those are the other ones. Yeah, Hull C, SRV. Um, I mean, if they get the Origins, Origin X ones out, that'll be that one. Those G12s are backlogs. out. That'll be. That'll, that'll right. Be those that were all supposed to come out in three twenty-two. Yeah. Those are the other ones that that we were that we needed. 
And fast yeah. card, did you say flight ready or did he say introduced in 2023? Because if it's introduced, he said in your hands. He said, in he said introduced this year. Introduced in January. This year. Okay. So yeah. introduced this year, the Zeus would fall in that. Right. That's introduced. Right. But well, we're talking and, about and, the and, that, and that's my right. and that's my challenge, right? right? And that that was my biggest challenge. When he said in your hands by the end of the year, that implies because I've got a lot of ships in my hangar that ain't in my hands. They're in my hangar and in my mind right. and on a JPEG somewhere. <laughs> right. So there's there's you know Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I mean that's what... I think the main the main mm -hmm. point I took from this whole moment here is, without the specifics, because I was confused too, but mainly I took from it that they're aware of the backlog and they are, you know, it's top of mind and they're trying to churn through it. I mean, when you, you look at how many ships have been released this year, it's it's pretty incredible. It's a lot of ships. It's, yep. And as someone, you know, who works on Fleet Viewer and, and has to prep those ships to go in whenever they're announced. I can tell you, it's it's been a busy year. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whenever an event comes up, now now more and more, especially as their team is growing. Whenever an event comes up, I'm like, okay. I, I even sent VMXEO a message the other day saying, "All right, get ready. We're gonna we got to get ready for our IAE you know IAE ship push." So mm -hmm. it's just a lot of stuff they're starting to push out. Yeah. And and again, they are addressing this issue because the community has been saying, "What about my so and so?" That yeah. is the big thing that they have been saying. And so I just wanted to go back and reemphasize that, that even for myself, I had to remember that this part of the presentation was about the backlog of ships. And yeah. they did okay. go back and pull 12 that were from the backlog. So, okay, let's keep it rolling. But thank you for that. Where's the video? There it is. So we have over 200 vehicles for us to support as a vehicle content team. Um, for those of you that are trying to do the maths in your head right now, going, that's, that's the wrong number. This includes uh, every single vehicle that we've ever shown to you, whether that's in a Squadron 42 visual tease or like a, um, a trailer. Some of them are obviously Squadron exclusives. Some of them are going to be NPC exclusives we still have to support them all. So every vehicle in the game, we have our hands on and we, we do a lot of work to support them for you. Not the only thing we do, we obviously introduce new content like the Mirai Fury. Uh, we deliver previous promised content. And as you'll see today and tomorrow, we do a lot of gameplay support. So obviously we help out ships that are like the heroes of the game. Uh, you saw in the resource network uh, engineering uh, panel how that's going to impact ships. Uh, you will have seen, if you've been paying super close attention, uh, some UI elements to do with maps. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we do all that. So we do a lot of work across all aspects of both projects. Uh, and to do all that, we need to do a, a few things. Okay, yeah, so John's talked a bit about the backlog. Um, I'm gonna kind of take a little bit, of, you know, how, how are we gonna deliver this? So in April 2023, we actually kicked off a, a new ship team um, in our newest studio, Turbulent, based out of Montreal. Yeah, go Canada. <laughs> um, so we've now got um, five artists or vehicle artists, uh, one vehicle designer, one embedded QA tester, and one producer. And that kind of gives us everything we need to start bringing content out of another location. Um, 
And it also means that we now have kind of reps globally for the vehicle content team in all five of our studios. What's the really nice thing about that is, is it kind of opens up a new pool of a kind of talent that we can pick from. And it should you know, really help us to deliver some more content to the game. And you've actually just seen the first two ships out of that studio. So the Scout variant and the Zeus are both being developed by our Montreal team. Yeah, they're, they're doing, doing great. Um, we're going to look a little bit more in depth at the kind of the art team and, and how we've grown over the years. Um, you can see from this graph, this is our kind of like live numbers of how many vehicle artists we have dedicated to the project. Um, you can see there's a nice trajectory going up. Um, and, you know, with more team members, that also means we get kind of like not just more people to throw at stuff, but we get more experience, we get more knowledge. Um, and that's, you know, that allows us to kind of tackle our larger, kind of more complex ships. You will notice there in 2022, there is a, a little dip. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, when, when that happens, that has kind of real consequences on what we are able to do as a team. I think, you know, less people, so less power to put on stuff, but also some of that knowledge leaves us. With that, that leads us to have to make some kind of pretty hard and heavy decisions about what we're working on. And I think most recently and probably most well known is the Bami Merchantman. Yeah. Now, we're going to take a quick look at where we got to with the Merchantman, just to show where we were up to before that happened in 2022. From my understanding, this um, that station there for the ship, the docking thing, is actually in Pyro. Several people have seen it. Cool. Let me ask you guys a scientific question. How's that ship being held up? <laughs> Anybody got any suggestions? I don't care. I don't care at all. Future thruster tech. Is that what it is? <laughs> anti-grav technology, Bennu anti-grav yeah. technology. Okay. That gravity on that on that yeah. surface. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the BMM is a is a really interesting ship because it's one of those ships that it's it's hard to understand its scale when you look at it. Mm -hmm. It can sometimes look small and sometimes look big. And I've looked at it in 3D using the field of view um, mm -hmm. that's in game, and I could tell you now, like like with a camera set at player height at the right field of view and i can tell you it's a monster it's a monstrosity I mean, it isn't it out, it blocks out the sun i've, I've been telling fast car i've been telling him he needs to sell huge. it he doesn't want that it's ship huge. he doesn't want all that it's, it's, it's a monstrosity but it's a 250 dollar monstrosity you in, don't in my, want all that okay? well, i've offered you 250 i've offered you 250 <laughs> for it i don't know why you won't take it I need 300 for it. <laughs> I, I think Scarlet's probably got a few BMMs she'll part with. Yeah. I'm sorry, I think I drooled. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, 
obviously they're referring here to uh when paul paul uh, paul jones left and, mm -hmm. and a few other people left as well around that time they were overseeing he was the current vehicle art director at yep. that time overseeing this ship and and obviously that was a a pretty big loss at mm -hmm. the time to lose that knowledge there have been people who've said well why would they make that level of dependency and People, I think that sometimes people think that the ship teams are made up of like 40 and 50 people and they wonder, but Grim, maybe you could tell them these ship teams are not big teams. By no, it's actually shockingly small when you, you think about how important ships are to, you know, our perspective. Um, and then overall employee count at CIG. I mean, I think he said the ship teams at its biggest number right now and it's at 28. Mm -hmm. So kind of shocking. Um, that they're able to churn so many ships out, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And those 28 are not all 28 working on one thing. That 28 is divided up right. into groups working on different yeah, things. Yeah. And there's a lot of ships mm -hmm. that we have never seen right? Um, that are in Squadron 42. Stuff, and we saw a couple glimpses of those in the new trailer. But, there, I mean, there's a lot of ships, apparently, that we've never seen before. And there are ships that are going to be introduced into us. There are Xeon ships, Banu ships. There are Vandul ships that we have not seen yet. So they're not just working on yeah. our stuff that's, you know, in our hands. So that it is unfortunate. But, again, this is them clarifying what took place. And I think yeah. that the community wants to know. Some people get a little frustrated, but... Remember, we talked about this before when they had the issue with the Suntucky Eye and they didn't make deadline. There were a lot of people who said, thank you for letting us know CIG instead of just brushing it under the rug. And I think this was another example of them letting us know, hey, this is what's going on with the Banu because we realized this is the next. I think this is like between this and the Polaris, they're probably tied for the Gibb ship right now, you know, that people want. Yeah, Britain you know. and Polaris, yeah. yeah so. I will say, I saw some people saying, oh, watching this part of the video, and they're like, oh, it looks like they got got it further. Um, I This is the same stuff I saw previously, so I, I do think it's a little bit when, further. There was, there was only yeah, a couple things well, that they changed, but it wasn't much more than an enhancement right. of the white box that was there. Yeah, it's I mean, what, I think when they put a pin in it, they actually did put a pin in mm -hmm. it, and they have not, there's not been any like background work yeah, there's like maybe one more week's worth of work in it yeah <laughs> yeah or some stuff has been shown that wasn't shown before mm -hmm. but yeah i think it's, now clearly a lot of work has been has gone into it up to this yeah. point but, but yeah. i got the corner ben, ben i mean not corner but i got to speak with ben curtis during the vip after party and i i i, I talked to him for like a couple of minutes and then i brought pops along because i know he's another battery instrument enthusiast so basically what he said that um when it's done it, it, it'll be it'll be worth it and and he yeah. and you know I, you know, the longer they take a take on these ships, the better it'll be. And so I, I, I feel good. I, I, I'm still patient. So I'm, I think it's in good, it's in good hands. This is one that we saw that looks kind of fleshed out, you know, the bedroom yeah. area. Yeah, that one that <clears> definitely <throat> has more color. Yeah. yeah. And the outside too, the outside, the external view <laughs> has more color. Yeah, like that. This is the later model, which was the very last um, white box model they showed where they had changed the wings mm -hmm. to be the retracting wing versus the fold up wing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you remember the first time we saw it, they, they folded up. Yeah. Um, Steve Griffin, this is what you need other than the origin ships because the, the guns do track. Mm. I do have one, but still, you know, <laughs> still. That video shows you know, where we got up to with the merchantman. You can see we finished white box. 
we were kind of in Scraybox, some areas were further than others. And I think one of the best things about working at a company like Cloud Imperium Games is that we're able to be pretty honest and pretty open with our development. One of the biggest questions we get is, what's up with the merchantman? Where is it? Why did it stop? Um, and you know, the merchantman brought a lot of unique challenges to us. It was a completely new art style, something that's very, very different from what we normally do with our human manufacturers. I think you know, we could have paused other ships. We could have moved some of our other artists onto the merchantman. But with the kind of exodus of our kind of senior team in 2022, um, we didn't just lose people. We lost a lot of the knowledge that went into building out that white box and really kind of delivering that art style. What we decided to do at the time is rather than try and rush something out and just get something out to, to get it done, we looked at where we were. And for us, the most important thing was growing our team back up. We wanted to invest in our team and use our seniors and our kind of managers to help get us up to the point where you know, we can tackle multiple large and capital ships at one time. I think the graph previously kind of showed that you know, we've got the head numbers now, and now it's about onboarding our new staff members. It's about skilling them up and getting them to the point. And I would absolutely love to be stood here on stage and going, yeah, look at the merchant, it's amazing. Like, it's, you know, it's done. Um, but we're not at that point just yet. We do see all the comments. I do see all the, the notes about it. And you know, I absolutely want to get this ship out and done. Um, and you know, we'll, yeah, I just wanted to be open and honest as to where we are up to with the development. Yeah, uh, to, to add to that, it is probably the most question I get asked at any event. And I really want to get it done, get it out for you guys. But we don't want to give you a half-baked thing. We Thank want to give you. you a really great product that we can all be proud of and it's for fast, appreciate for fast cars 250 dollars so, yes make it good <laughs> let's talk about something else quickly 600 so, hour 42 vehicles <laughs> no okay i'm cool what how the many of you is? have an address of some kind <laughs> uh, right so too many people we plan to deliver the address alongside the squad, alongside squadron and that doesn't mean just the m we're going to deliver the m the p and the k kit all together in one delivery javelin owners i'm afraid you're gonna have to wait a bit longer after that is obviously the bigger ship players can own uh, and we have recently looked at what is left to deliver on it We've got plans, there will be modularity with it. Um, and yeah, that will come after squadron releases. And those wow. of you who also have uh, the Vandal Scythe, Glaive, Blade, after squadron releases, you will also get the updated uh, models as well for that. Modularity with the uh -huh. Javelin. Grim, yeah. do you have any idea of what that means? Because I know they talked about being able to at one point, the javelin was supposed to come where you had to actually build it out. But what do, what do they mean by modularity, you know? Well, it's got some modular rooms in it. And um, so I, I don't know exactly what the modules will be, but it'll be, um, but there's definitely some modu modular sections in it. Oh. Um, I, I've looked at parts of the interior, Brian, allowed to, 
probably shouldn't have been looking at the parts of the interior, but I've looked <laughs> at parts of the interior, and it's amazing how much is there. If I if I had to guess, um, what's left to do on it are the, probably a gold standard pass, but specifically what's left to do on it is build out the modularity okay. and 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 probably fix a few rooms up. Again, there was some rooms I I, I hadn't seen, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's an impressive ship. There's a basketball court inside of it. I know that. <laughs> um, it's it's a really cool ship, and it's it was nice for them to just bring up that hey, you know, we haven't forgotten about these. We know we know they're owed. Um, I think that honestly, I think the fact that they came right out and said that the Idris will launch right along with Squadron Forty Two, they mm -hmm. wouldn't say that unless they are really targeting it. a yeah. Squadron Forty Two release date. They wouldn't have even brought it up. Yeah. Um, well, there was no need to. No one was speculating mm -hmm. on that, you know. So, mm -hmm. kind of a sign. Well, they said that, you know, the F-8 Lightning won't be out until Squadron 42. So people are like, well, yeah. they, they say that before, so they can always yeah. change their mind. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely cool to see. It, it really started getting, getting me to think if I should pull the Idris out of buybacks. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Right. Next. Okay. No kind of ship panel at CitizenCon event is kind of done without looking at what's coming up next. Um, previously, we used to do these kind of like silhouettes, um, but we, we kind of always felt they were a little bit predictable. We ended up just making most of them anyway. Um, so, so last year, we changed things up. We, uh, we asked what manufacturer do we want to see uh, make our next large mining ship? Um, and you're going to see more about that at IEE next month um but again this year we decided just to mix things up a little bit with how we wanted to deliver this so you're about to see in a minute a video uh it shows uh some ships you might recognize hopefully it will show you some that you don't recognize um but feel free to get on spectrum afterwards take a look give <laughs> us a guess at what you think they might be um because we'd love to you know hear your input and i will just add to that as well oh. we aim to deliver everything you see in this video and more in the next 12 months. Do we need to talk about that or are we good? 12 we're, months. We're good. Well, so, well, here, here's the thing. Con next year. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what he said, I, first of all, there are two things that happened in the Citizen Con that we know is unusual, is that they dropped dates, which is something that has always been the no-no rule, especially for mm -hmm. devs. Devs is like, yeah. devs, never, yeah. devs never say, I'm talking about Chris Roberts, I'm talking about the devs. That, that has always been a rule that you don't say dates. And they did this twice on this presentation. The first one being like GoMob mentioned, what will be in your hands by the, it, we hope to have in your hands by the end of the year. And then this one where they say within the next 12 months. So there, uh -huh. I think there's some surety about what they know they can deliver at this point. Um, and they're going to start from small to large, so we can stop here and talk about these. Um, this first set, bikes, assuming. Is that what everybody's feeling pretty much? Are they grab bikes, track, yeah. track bikes? Uh, roll, hover, hover vehicle, hover bike, yeah. Any any manufacturer guesses? Get tumble just now. Tumble, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, honestly, you can take cues from any time they're developing a new vehicle or ship you're likely to get an extra one from that manufacturer just because they have people working in that art is this because, those, with those art assets. Is this because so. of them pushing out the storm, you're saying? You think yeah. that maybe they're just continuing with that? Okay. 
I think so, yeah. All right. Yeah. Consolidated Outland. CO. I was going to guess that too. Yeah, they yeah, they, they did guess. venture. They did venture that way with the hover one, the hover quad. So yeah. okay. And if this is Tumbrel, though, I will say it'll probably be three variants of it. Mm. <laughs> I feel like Tumbrel gets a ton of variants. All right, we all know what that is. Yeah. X ones with the vertical seat. The and vertical X, seat. X ones are, if I'm not mistaken, scheduled for three twenty two. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, they're on a release view now. They are. You on the Gold Mob? You watching it? Okay, it is. They are. They're on a release view. They are. Okay, cool. And only one had the canard. All right, this one's a tough one. Um, it, it, it's an Ursa Rover variant. Is it Ursa or Lynx, though? Ursa or medical. Lynx? Yeah, do you think in medical we may? Medical, medical. Yeah. The ambulance there. Yeah, you're not the other one. Yeah, yeah, someone else said that. Mental, medical. Yeah. medical Ursa. Okay. Yeah, there's no gun turret. At least we don't see anything like that. Uh, Admiral Kusanagi mentioned the two loops on the back, Grim. Did you see those toward the back? There are two big loops I did, back yeah. there. Um, yeah. Not really sure, but definitely Ursa. Um, yeah, probably some just some Griebeling. Um, you know, I, I mean, I would love to say it's for rope tech that they're bringing into Star Citizen <laughs> soon, but I haven't seen it. Tow, your tow tech to we'll tow see, your vehicle we'll out of see, the mud? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. And by the way, guys, make sure you I'll pay attention to scale. That. Yeah, pay attention to scale on the figure on the left so you guys can, it helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, no idea. There's been talk about the MPUV yeah. without the cargo. Well, yeah, but see, okay. the MPUV is oh, okay. always, but the MPUV has always been this way. They, they're just attached it's, on there. But my question is, they said this is the military variant, and there's something on the head above the cockpit on this one. Yeah. That I don't know what the heck, tractor beam, maybe. You, so you see these in the whole C commercial. There's a whole bunch of these flying around. Um, this this exact variant here. And I think what this is really symbolizing is that the modularity modularity's in right to the MPUV. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly why they're showing the retaliator later. It's it's they're bringing on modularity. The modularity. We heard it was coming. So yeah. Okay. Now this is the stumper for a lot of folks, but everyone says this was the Zeus. A lot of Definitely people. Not the Zeus. I don't think it's the Zeus. Everybody says that. I do, because there's a I cargo. There's a cargo drop underneath here. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's a cargo it's drop. Too, it's it's way too short. <clears throat> it's about half the length of the Zeus, whatever it is. So just from a measurement standpoint, they also show the Zeus here in a few minutes, but right. or in a few you know a few ships after this. But yeah, definitely not the Zeus. I think. Based off what I could tell, the ship looks like it's around 21-ish, 21 to 26 meters, somewhere in there. So I think we're looking at possibly a Crusader starter ship. Let me ask you a question. That's a good, yeah, there's no Crusader starter ship. That's a good thing. Are those yeah. VTOLs or winglets in the back? They're VTOLs. I don't, I'm going to stop it. I'm going to stop they, it on the move. Whoops. I'm yeah. too far. Oh, I think they're VTOLs like the Spirit. I think they're just smaller than the Spirits because the ship is like half the length of a Spirit to give you an idea of the scale. So mm. I think they are VTOLs like the Spirits. They're just not as big as those because the ship's not as heavy. So, okay. I agree with Grim. I just think it's an RSI. Yeah, a lot of people think it's an RSI, uh, like an RSI starter, mm. um, which it, it very much could be. Um, they, they could have the fill a gap in between the Aurora and the Zeus. See that, so that tail, possible. see how that tail back is? I just can't tell what that is. I guess that's winglets or yeah. tails. I don't know. Hmm, okay. 
Okay, another big stumper. <laughs> and it's big. That's three. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I watched uh, Info Runners today. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but if you look at the scale of that with the person standing in front of it, because some people were saying, or oh, it was favoring Mirai, but Mirai is about performance, and I can't see a big performance, but someone said maybe it's a dual racer. But let me ask this, and I'm going to give this to Execute and uh, Algrid. A squashed up version of what the freaking Gatak looks like? Yeah, that's what people are saying in chat, Gatak. The, the to, yeah, to me, the only reason that it seems too small for the guitar because the guitar is big. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the guitar is huge. The only reason that doesn't no. totally track is that every ship they've showed faces mm -hmm. left, and this one would be facing possibly facing right because it would, you know, the guitar's like right, the, you know, the, they're branding the the, the nacelles kind of fold back mm -hmm. like the ship. So, I think we're looking at a, just a larger Mirai ship. Really? One point, one point. The Katak is the manufacturer. The, the Raylan is the name of the ship. Well, the Raylan, right. right. So we're you want to say Raylan. Raylan. styling in general, whether it's okay, the Raylan yeah. or the rumored ship coming at IAE. It's just such a big so freaking... But... I mean, if Mirai's still about performance, I mean, what are they making this this scale? That's a big well, freaking ship. Well, there's nothing to say that Mirai needs to be small-scaled, though. I mean, yeah. there's been a lot of rumors of large racer variants coming. I oh. mean, we were showing that image earlier of the Zeus ST, which mm -hmm. some people think is uh, sports touring, um, and that it could be some sort of racing or high-performance variant of the Zeus. And, and, you know, the Zeus is like 46 meters long, so... Mm -hmm. It tracks that this could be a bigger Mirai ship. Again, they've been working on the Furies, so it would make sense for There's them to do another ship. You know, based on and I, I'm only saying that because George Grimm has never had heard me say this before, but I'm hoping for the, the for Mirai cargo variant, the Mirai carry. Sure. Yeah. Oh, Info Runners is here. Hey, execute. Yeah, medium racers <laughs> will be okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. There he says. Yeah. Cool. And I think I heard that about the larger racers. I think I heard that on an Info Runners episode, which is. Um, at first, I was kind of like, oh, man, why would they do that? It didn't make any sense to me. But when uh, Execute and Algorithm were talking about it, it mm -hmm. started to make more and more sense. So, And I think there's something kind of cool about cooperative racing, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, two people helping each other. So I could see it. Well, that's what BBG is saying here, Mariah Team Racing, Team Rally Racing, you know, something like that. Yeah. Mm, okay. okay, let's keep it rolling. Hey, we know... That is probably what the yep. Legionnaire. Yeah, yep, Legionnaire. Right, Legionnaire. People were excited Which, about uh, that. The interesting thing about the Legionnaire, um, bring it up, is that it has two dependencies that they don't have to release it with these dependencies, but mm -hmm. it's two critical dependencies uh, for that ship that exists. One is hacking, mm -hmm. um, right? And then the other one is ship-to-ship -ship docking which right. we don't have yet other than like the snub craft and uh, for the, the Connie and the, and the you know, P 52, but like docking collar type stuff. Now this one has an embedded docking collar in its nose that extends out when mm -hmm. it connects to a ship. So I'm curious if that's coming, if that functionality is coming on board with the ship. Cause again, we know they like to release it with the gameplay uh, mm -hmm. when possible. So it'd be interesting to see. There's your Zeus. That's the Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. Okay. Again, you can see how small the person got. So the Zeus. It looks. So it, looks, it, looks 
It's 46 meters long, the zoo. So that uh, kind of gives you an idea of how, how small that previous ship was. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Ritali's finally getting its thing. Mm -hmm. That one there. Everybody was happy to hear it. Oh, yeah. Fan favorite. Yeah. Polaris, right? Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but there was quite a big ship at the end of that video. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, just to confirm, that is the Polaris. Yeah. yeah. I'm very curious to see so, how, how much it's grown. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of talking. <laughs> it's big. Uh, we'll do a bit more talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. I do want to stop here. Like, yeah. Bear with me here, because Grim said something that I think is important. You cannot see the human being <laughs> standing at the front of this ship. Oh, That's I how see. Oh my big gosh. that thing is. It is not so, a small ship. Originally, it was supposed to be 155 meters long. I did some remeasuring just based off some of those concepts they show, concept cutaways they did on that recent ISC uh, mm -hmm. about the Polaris. Mm -hmm. I came up with 168 meters. That's where I landed. Now, Jeez. give or take a few meters on that. But as it's going through gray box, you could expect it to maybe gain another five meters. Um, so, so we're talking I mean, the, the size of, the day, of a what? It's going to be a pretty big ship. It was, is a comparison. What's a ship in game that we compare that to right now? Is it the biggest? Will that be the biggest well, or the, just short? You of know, something? the Carrick is 125 meters. Okay. So this would be almost 50 meters longer than that. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm, 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 I'm jump I'm, is 205. I'm looking at the ship matrix right now just to see if it's been updated, but no, it's the last update was six months ago and it's still 155 meters long. Which is definitely wrong. We know that because John Crew actually said it's grown from there. Mm. We'll probably find out at IAE because the Polaris is supposed to have a hollow model display. And generally, when I extract the hollow models from, so when I extract a hollow model from the website, its scale can be whatever, to be honest with you. I've seen them all over the place. Mm -hmm. But when I extract the hollow model from the in-game hollow model viewer, like at an IAE or an Invictus, mm -hmm. the hollow models are usually to scale, like yeah. to scale across, you know, with every other ship. Uh, so it, we'll probably then be able to get a really good idea of its actual size now. If you guys want to know where the person is standing, if you see the gun, I guess it's a gun underneath the cockpit there. Just look below there. Is a little speck. <laughs> That's the person. That's uh, the person. Someone's asking about the, the price of the Polaris. The Polaris is seven fifty. I don't. I don't know if it went up fifty dollars or, or what have you, but the price is not currently seven seven fifty. I guarantee yeah. you, it is going to go up. <laughs> big time. Yeah, big time. That's uh, sure. One hundred percent. It will. Mm -hmm. 100%, yeah. And the key thing with the Polaris, and they they call it a capital ship here, obviously, but it's. I don't Unlike know if you other noticed, but there was quite a big, big ship. ship it has capital components in it, so mm -hmm. it's like a true capital ship. Uh, and yeah, just to confirm, that is the Polaris. Yeah. So uh, we've 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 done a lot of talking. Uh, we'll do a bit more talking about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay. Just wanted to touch again on like, yeah, why are we doing an RSI ship? Like, what is with that? So the, the thing about doing another RSI ship is that we've got a really well-established art style for RSI in our, in our universe. Um, and it gives us the ability to kind of skip, or train up newest members of the teams on something that's kind of quite a known element. That is absolutely not the only benefit, though. 
the way we are like planning on tackling the Polaris is not tackling it as one ship, but actually we want to tackle, well, anyone that knows our backlog knows we have a number of large RSI ships on there. And our kind of plan is that we tackle that as a family of ships. We don't just tackle one of them and then we go off and do something else for six months, a year, come back and do another one, something else, come back and do another one. We want to tackle them all together, one after the other. And what that really allows us to do is just kind of streamline our development process. We're able to, you know, for our more common areas of the ship, we're able to build kits that we're confident in that we can reuse and we can make the most out of them. And then that allows us to focus our development time and our efforts really on the much more unique and the important exciting areas of each ship. It, tackling them as a family kind of allows us to expedite their development. We leverage the experience that we've got within the team. And it just allows us to, like I say, streamline everything. So first up, we've got the Polaris. Next up, we've got the Galaxy. Then we've got the Perseus. And that kind of closes out our, most of our large RSI ships. And then we can you know, see what we want to take on after that. Well, I, I think that's pretty much everything we want to talk about today. Um, however, before we go, we're, we're going to... Torsten's already stolen the, the predictable joke here. So we'll do one last thing to show you guys. So let's have a look at the current state of the Polaris in engine in its white box state. Starting to detail more of the exterior out, which is nice to see because it's always had a very featureless exterior on um, the hollow viewer models. Mm -hmm. It lacks a lot I, of its rebels and panels and all that stuff. And I was really happy for the Polaris for, for them to get an update like that because it's, it's been a while for them. I do agree with, with some of the people tracking the, the design of this ship. I, I think there's a little bit of a wasted opportunity in the escape pod room. It's awfully big and kind of empty space. It's right behind the cockpit. And I do think they could put like a hollow, like a hollow globe table sort of thing in there and make that room more interesting. But, you know, I'm sure over the next 12 months, because I'm sure this ship will probably release next Citizen God, if I had to guess. But uh, we're probably going to see just every month bigger and bigger updates with it so better bring some friends <laughs> yeah i was i was just looking at the um i was just looking at the um the ship matrix and it said six minimum and 14 maximum so yeah, yeah that 14 sure. maximum sounds more real for the minimum jesus <laughs> yeah, i also am curious do they when they make those numbers do they actually consider um like the complexity of how the game's going to become because like 14 you might want more right not actually I, manning guns and stuff like yeah. that but being engineers meg i i don't i think for i think they're getting closer on some of those numbers but some of these old ships like the polaris even the kraken like the kraken has a minimum crew of 10, of 10 
But with all of its <laughs> turrets and the engineering requirements of that ship, it's going to require way more than that. So I think on the older concepts or any concepts Those from like 2018 off. back, mm -hmm. they're 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 underestimating probably a little bit. Um, I think yeah. on the Polaris, it's going to be on the higher side. I think you're going to want it at the Wait. like a bare minimum skeleton crew is probably going to be 10, 12 people. Wasn't it great? Are you telling me? I, I, are you telling me I'm gonna need even more people on my BMM than, than than I thought? I told you that already. That's why you need to sell it. For two, that's why you need yeah. to sell it for two hundred. Um, yeah. <laughs> notice it went down by fifty dollars. Well, uh, right, I did to operate those ships optimally. Let's say that because I still think you could operate some of these with like a skeleton crew. Yeah. Now that means you may not be flying with every turret man, right? right? Which that's right. In, in a high security system, that may be fine. But if you're rolling through pyro and you're bringing your Kraken with you, you should probably have someone on every turret. And that thing has like eight turrets just on its, just for, you know, coverage. But you still need, you know, someone manning the scanning station. You need your engineer, about three mechanics, because some of the components for some of these big capitals, they purposely spread the components. So I have some in engineering and then some will be at the front of the ship. You know? mm -hmm. So you're running back and forth. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the crew um, requirements are on some of these. Brim, correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the day when we used to try to find out, when CIG used to talk about crew requirements, they used to do something weird with the beds, with the logging out. Remember, there was something about, like, if they said there were six people was the minimum or something like that. It had to do with the beds. Do you remember that for logging out purposes? It wasn't about yeah. being able to handle the ship. It was something else that they had in relation to the numbers back in the day. Yeah, I seem to remember something about that. I can't remember it okay. completely, though. I mean, I know some ships, like the Idris or Squadron 42 ships, they dictated it a little bit by, like, the the NPC mm -hmm. crews and making sure that there was enough beds for one crew to sleep while the alternate shift was awake, because yeah. apparently that's a thing um, mm -hmm. uh, in the game. So, you know, it's 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 hard to know with the big ships which way they're going to go with that. But Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, FC, we got some questions? Yeah, we do. One of them confused me, but hopefully we'll get some clarification from chat. But uh, first one is from Tim Pasta. With the in-depth engineering gameplay coming, will we see a decrease in large ship sales? Will we see a decrease in large ship sales because of the engineering gameplay that's coming? I, there, there, there were some people, believe it or not, when the Javelin tour first happened, there were some people who said they were melting their ships because they saw the scale of the ship and they thought this might be too much to, you know, bite off more than they could chew. I don't know if it's going to happen anymore, but I know when I walked on the Javelin tour, I said, this thing is gigantic. You know, I mean, we only want to see maybe about an eighth of that ship when we take that little bitty tour. And I'm like, if that. I, yeah, I'm like... <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to yeah. man this monster. This is a big freaking like ship. Like I said, I've, I've probably seen about 65% of the interior, maybe 70% of the interior. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some big rooms in it. I can tell you that. Like I said, there's one room. <laughs> I, I don't. I couldn't get a good view of it, but it's got like a basketball court in it. <laughs> I think it's like the wreck area. You know what I mean? But I was like, this is insane. So, I mean, it's a monster. It really is a monster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good, oh, question. Yeah. good question. We'll have to see how the sales go. That's all I can tell you. I mean, a lot of people, I, we're, even yeah. when we talk about the engineering stuff, we started out at the beginning. I think that people really do need to think about their fleets. I mean, Meg was saying it. It makes everybody reconsider what is it you really can manage. You may have a great idea. Now, some ships we know are org-based guys. And if you got an org, yep. we get it. But I do know there are people who've said, 
oh, I'm going to get my javelin. I'm going to put a bunch of blades in it and go out. And I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> have at it. Yeah. You know, feel free. Um, I don't know my, if the my, game is going to allow that. Mm -hmm. My thing is that uh, I think that we have so many new people coming in that it may offset the people, the older backers who who who, who are melting or, or not gonna or not gonna get the, uh, a, a big step. So I will also have to see, but I, I think it may even out. Yeah, I think the FOMO will out will also catch a lot of people still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the ships are, uh, you know, or what do you call it? Uh, like lottery ticketed or not even lottery tickets, just like. It's very hard to get them in general, so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also yeah. easy to see why this is not pay to win. You know what I mean? I mean, mm. <laughs> you know, he may have all those guns, but you can only do one thing as the pilot, you know? Yeah. Right. And you can I only fly one ship at a time. <laughs> I personally don't think we're going to, at least for a little bit, I don't think we're going to get any really big capital ships um, announced by CAG. Oh, you're I mean, breaking hearts now. Oh, uh, well, those <laughs> anvil, those anvil cap people, you're breaking their <laughs> hearts. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's because they know they've got a backlog and, and, and ships grow all the time. I think they're going to want to, like, chew away at that a little bit. Um, what I do see, though, is I do see possibly – as, as some of these ships get closer to release, we might see, um, uh, well, not getting closer to release. I see, I personally see a CCIG adding another event, like ship sale event, mm -hmm. um, in, in the coming years. You know, maybe they build a holiday around Squadron 42's release, you know, some in lore holiday. But I see us getting more ship sale opportunities uh, throughout the year. And, um, We'll see if that applies to capitals. But... I don't know. Invictus and IAE seem seem like enough for me. Yeah, enough yeah, for I, you. I, That's I, enough I for you. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that, they'll be that big, but I think there'll be other ones like you know that are more on par with like the alien, like Sh Alien Week and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Oh, and Valentine's Day and stuff. Yeah. And then um, I don't know. I think the engineering stuff's kind of a a, um, a double edged sword. I think for some people that will turn them off from owning those big ships. But I think for other people like myself, it excites us. That's what excites us about those ships. Yeah. Um, and and it is kind of weird though, because you normally could just be like, oh, I'm really excited about the Idris, but I'm just gonna be a crew member on one. But it's, there's like nothing tangible about that, right? It's hard to say <laughs> you're gonna be a crew member on a ship when you don't have it. So I think that's what mm. kind of, feeds into some of that FOMO because I've heard people say, oh, I bought a, um, you know, an, a Polaris because I want to be the engineer on the ship. And I'm always like, oh, that's interesting. You know, you, you're, you're choosing you're almost like a crew member role instead of the captain role on the ship that you own. Um, Listen, I'm excited about running around with a fire extinguisher. I'm going to tell you that now, Grim. That's that's going to be my thing. I'm going to have two fire extinguishers, one on each side when I'm running around on the if, ship. Look, Double bell. If, <laughs> if they reveal some of the plans for how they, you know, will handle org permissions or, or, or mm. friend permissions for ships, yeah. that could really change all this. You Should know what could. I mean? Yep. If they suddenly came out and showed us the detailed plans behind ship permissions and, and ship sharing mm -hmm. org sharing or whatever i mean i think that'll open up a lot of wallets personally Absolutely. not that i'm saying that you know i condone that or whatever <laughs> i want people to be careful of their money but i'm just saying that you know 
it, it doesn't take it, I think it's more about getting the most from your ships. I think what people yeah. get worried about is having ships that literally sit in the hangar for a year and never yeah. get used. So I don't think people mind owning them as long as someone, whether it's a friend or, or an org mate, can actually use them and get mm. some, you know, some. Yeah. Like Jeff just said, I'm looking forward to being able to rent out some of my larger ships to orgs or whatnot. And maybe have that be a revenue stream. But uh yeah. Griff team, I, I do have to uh skedaddle out of here. Well, Sorry to well, hold, on, right. hold on. Can you give us can you give us can you give us one minute? Sure. Okay. Um <laughs> real quick, um I, I wanna we wanna do a presentation. Um ironically enough, the man who needs to leave is who the presentation is for. He didn't know that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> some of you all don't know that when we went, as you do know, you all know, we went to citizen con this year and, uh, I was supposed to arrive early. I got delayed. I came on Amtrak and I had an eight and a half hour delay arriving, which wasn't bad. Um, because I had actually factored in knowing that Amtrak often leaves and arrives, they leave late and we were ahead of schedule, but 10 hours out, we had a mechanical issue. And so the one person who was in town and available or was coming in town within 30 minutes of the start time was Gomob. Um, Gomob arrived and I reached out to him and he said, yeah, I'm gonna be there, what do you need? Um, and I said, well, this is what I need you to do. I need you to put together everything because we need to have our presentation table ready for CIG to approve. And without a hitch, he jumped right into it and said, just tell me what you need done. He went from the airport to his hotel, to my hotel, picked up all the stuff. Uh, CC Creator met up with him, gave him a lift. They drove around LA. Um, and when I arrived at 4.30 and walked into the convention center, everything was in place. Uh, awesome. So we want to recognize him and tell him thank you for that. Publicly want to recognize him. Because a lot of times people see me in fast cart, but they don't know all the support that we get from, from Yo-Yo and Abdi and BBG who were there. Um, they were always there to help us out no matter what we needed to be done. Uh, even more, uh, when it became Saturday morning and Sunday morning to get ready, I was tired. I was beat. And GoMob was the first person there each morning at 8 a.m. making sure that we were ready to go. And so um, FastCart and I said we really think that was really nice of him to do that. So. Go and not, not only that, mm -hmm. on Sunday evening, he helped us out too. He helped us shut yes. down too. Helped us break down, put everything together, and just, I mean, he was just, just helpful. And not that everybody else wasn't offering, but he, he covered for me, and that was really important because uh, he's a meticulous person, and he, want, he wanted us to be, he knows how I am. We wanted to present in the best light possible, and all I had to do was move one little item over a couple inches. He laid everything out the same way I would have laid it out. So, Gomal, we want to say thank you for that. We want to publicly say thank you for that because it was an extra mile that you went for us, for all of us as sole citizens. And to say thank you, we are going to give you a RSI Zeus ES uh, for your fleet because we know you don't have one. That's why I asked you the nice. other day, did you have one? So we, we're going to present that to you and say thank you for all the hard work that you've done. We do have some more stuff that we're going to give out to our staff. And we're going to make that public, but I wanted to recognize him publicly today. So now you can leave. You can go. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I, 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 I will say one thing. Uh, Griff, no, I, 
when I say it was no problem at all, um, it was 100% my pleasure to be able to to be of service to uh, this organization and this team that has not an org, so not an org, not an org, <laughs> not, 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 not an org. I didn't say org. It's the organization, organization. organization. The organization that you have put together in this team that has given me so much as far as the community and, uh, and a, a platform and a voice to come and be able to talk about uh, a project that I'm so passionate about, right? And the family that you have helped foster uh, here with all of us, right? So, you know, it to me at that moment, I'm gonna be honest with you, it was the absolute least <laughs> I could do to show up for Soul Citizens uh, in every way I possibly could. So. Uh, I, I, I greatly appreciate the, the, the token. Um, but again, I, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to do so. Right, well, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you again awesome. for all that. And TV Liquid just raided us and we were going to raid him. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so now we got to pass the love someplace else. Yeah. All right. Uh, go Mob. Thank you. We know you got to run. Thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, I gotta we run. appreciate you. Thanks, okay. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, uh, you can go black. You know what I mean by that. All right. Feel free. Yeah. All right. So. Um, <laughs> We do have we do have one more question, but it's pretty quick. I but before like, you do, I, I before you do that, before you do that, TV Liquid, thank you so much for the raid. Uh, Raiders, thank you guys for joining us. We are the Soul Citizens. We just uh, have our special guest today, uh, Star Jump Grim. We just reviewed two of the episodes from Citizen Con. We did Session Two, Fix It, Fly It, and Session Three, Talking Ships. We're kind of wrapping things up, so we appreciate you guys being here. TV, I hope you had a great stream. You beat us to it. I was looking at your numbers. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to send some love his way. But you sent the love our way first. So we appreciate you, bro. We really, really do. Uh, FC, what was your other thing you had? You had another question. Now, that first one was for Shampasta. Thank you for the great question, Shampasta. This one's from Kavion. I'm not sure what this one, but to say, now that we got the dudes, will we get the, the Crusader Jupiter? So I'm... I'm missing the reference of Jupiter, Crusader Jupiter. There was a phrase about a yeah, ship called the Jupiter. Go. Yeah, go, go ahead, Grim. Talk about it. Uh, there's probably people that know more about it than me. I haven't followed it too closely, but I, I think it, the Jupiter is a a really big, huge, like someone says mega carrier. It's a mega carrier, like big cargo ship. Um, I, I, I sort of think of it almost like a space barge. Um, but yeah, big Crusader capital cargo ship. So that's about all we know. Oh, someone, someone said it's a lost in space reference, so that's what I'm, I'm missing. Oh, is it? Oh, but okay. no, but there was one called the Jupiter for that. I knew there that the people have been talking yeah. about. Yeah, so maybe if that's what they were saying. But if if you were, now you know there is one called Jupiter for Star Citizen. Yeah. At least people have talked about cool. it for a while. And we, don't, and we don't know what the Jupiter looks like. There hasn't, to my knowledge, been mm -hmm. a picture or a description of it. So. No, just been mentioned. That's it for questions. Okay, awesome. All right, well, we're going to cover a couple more things real quick before you guys go. Um, we want to tell you, we are once again going to be co-hosting the Virtual Bar Citizen this year. This time it will be including CitizenCon and IAE 2953. Uh, so much information to cover, so much good stuff to talk about. We know people are still going to be talking in a couple weeks about this. So uh, right after IAE, Saturday, December 2nd, uh, well, once again, we're doing two sessions. For those of you who are across the pond on the other side of the world, we want you to be included and to be a part of this. Uh, this will be taking place at 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, Eastern U.S. Canada time. So you folks over in the U.K., you guys can join us at 6 p.m. in the evening. I know it's in the evening, but we do want you guys to drop in and hang out with us at least till 10. That gives you four hours for the first session. Um, 
Those of you who come a little bit later, if you want, there'll be a second session at 5 p.m. Eastern Time U.S. going until 9 p.m. for four hours. Once again, we'll be having people helping to moderate. We'll have breakout sessions. We'll have raffles, giveaways, all that great stuff that we always do. CIG staff always drop in. We have always so many cool people from CIG that come and hang out with us. Um, so we're looking forward to doing that once again. Here's the QR code on the screen. You can follow us on Twitter, find the QR code posted. It'll come up every Tuesday and Thursday, I think. Uh, if you want to register, please register for this. This is done on Zoom. Uh, we don't to put your information anywhere other than the fact that just knowing how many people are coming so we know how to accommodate and how to make sure we have enough breakout rooms and people to help moderate those rooms. Uh, but there's the, the code for you. We'll be talking about this over the next couple of weeks as we lead up all the way through IAE. But hopefully you guys can join us for that. Um, and I dropped the link in chat, so you can click on that if you want to also. Thank you. There's the link for registration. We'll drop it in one more time for you in case you missed it. Um, Fast card, talk about Thursday. Thursday, we talk <laughs> slow talk at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 a.m. Uh, UTC, not because it gets the time saying. But yes, that's what we talk about what's going on in Star Citizen. Uh, we, we cover this week in Star Citizen, uh, Inside Star Citizen, Star Citizen Live, uh, the sneak peek, and what have you. But the most important thing is that you get to come in and talk with us about what's going on and give your thoughts about what, about the progress of Star Citizen. And, you know, that's uh, every Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. UTC now. Awesome. And also on Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, we have Soul Voices, where you get to come in and talk to me one-on-one, -on -one, talking about things that are in Spectrum and Reddit and things in the gaming community. And we do that on Saturdays, once again, at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Next Sunday, we continue the saga. CitizenCon 2953, taking on sessions four and five, navigating the verse and character advancement. We will be back next week doing the same thing once again. Maybe we'll have a guest. I don't know. Maybe we won't, but we'll be here. And hopefully you guys will be able to join us on next Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Meg, tell people where they can find you. You can find me here on Twitch <laughs> at YoYo Meg or on Twitter at I am YoYo Meg. I am YoYo Meg. Are you streaming this week? Uh, yes, I will be. I stream. I usually start around 4 p.m. Central time. Um, and then stream until the nighttime, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you all go check out Meg. Uh, Grim, tell people where people can find you. Oh, I've got Sub Vigio's name under you. I didn't change the last slide. But tell us, tell people where they can find you. Um, well, you can find me on Twitch at uh, Starjump underscore Grim. Um, so definitely follow me over there. I'm, I'm starting to stream a lot more and do kind of behind the scenes and kit bashing and model speculation stuff on ships. I'll be doing a lot of that during IAE. So definitely follow me over there if you're interested. Um, and then obviously you can go to YouTube or Twitter. Uh, just type Starjump uh, in YouTube and, and we will come up. We get a lot of content over there. You can go to starjumpfleetviewer.com and play with the Fleet Viewer. And yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Now, Grim, I gotta ask for the sneak peek here. I'm not telling you that's a ton of thing, but you guys are working on a new project, right? For Starjump Station? Uh yeah, for just Star Jump in general. We're 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 working on a, we're in the design phase for a new tool. And okay. and um it's it's gonna take a different approach to to ships and stuff than than fleet viewer did so it's it's we're kind of still in the phase though where the 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 ideas mapped out i have an entire thing built mm -hmm. and motion tests and and kind of exploratory stuff we're now just sort of assembling a team testing out theories it's it's changed from what it was originally going to be a little bit okay. um 
but it's it's going to be really cool. I can tell you there's nothing really like it out there, so it'll okay. be really unique. All right, something to look forward to. Yeah. All right, gang. Well, that is about it. We're going to tell you guys to follow us on all of our social media, Soul Citizens on everything, so you'll find us. Don't forget it's S-O-L, Citizens with an S. Uh, special thanks to my co-host, Fast Cart. Fast Cart, you got anything before we close out? Yeah, we can find Griffin at uh, Chris.tv no, slash GriffinGamingRPG <laughs> on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So uh, make sure you follow him too. Yeah, okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, gang. <laughs> we're going to send you guys over to Tree0311. When you guys get over to see Tree, give Tree some love. Tree's a very knowledgeable cat. He's also thank talking you. about what we talked about tonight. So it'll be a great opportunity to go over and give him a shout. Yeah. Once again, Grim, thank you for being here. Yo-Yo is always best really card. appreciate it. All right, and we'll thank see you guys you. later. Don't forget to take care of yourselves. Stay safe. And as always, peace, love, and soul. Take care. Ciao.